Hi there, and welcome back to Kira Kira Discusses, a podcast where we discuss pop culture through the perspective of women of color artists and animators. My name is Shayla Simons, and I'll be one of your hosts for the show. Joining me are my co-hosts, Francesca, aka Wiki Calendar, Darian Blanchett, and Diana Mongarai. You can call Mickey the mother of our group, even though she definitely resents that, as well as a black female animator and gamer. I had the privilege of not only going to school with her, but also she was my roommate for three years. Our friend, Darian Blanchard, is also an avid gamer and lover of Final Fantasy. And Diana Mongarai is an illustrator with a passion for anime and probably someone you would be awarded the Real Life Sojo Protagonist Award if there was an award like that out there. We will also have our own friends and guests in between to help us discuss the different topics we enjoy as they come. And today on our show, we have Marcus Williams, or better known on social media as Marcus the Visual. He is an African-American illustrator, writer, and comic book artist based in Atlanta, Georgia. He loves crafting stories rich in fantasy and detail. And throughout the show, we will be talking about his work and how his work is influencing others to show representation in this challenging world. So sit back and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Kira Kira Discusses. We are very excited to be back. We have been on a one-week hiatus, mostly, just to have a nice self-care. And also, we did just celebrate 4th of July. But we are back and ready to continue our ventures into the podcast space. And with a guest, no less, I would love to welcome Marcus Williams, or known on social media as Marcus the Visual. He is an African-American illustrator, writer, and comic book artist based in Atlanta, Georgia. He is known for traveling from con to con, but with COVID-19, he has been at home doing commission work and personal work. He is also the artist and co-writer of Tuskegee Airs, a comic book story about a futuristic sci-fi adventure that follows a small squadron of young, gifted, and black aviators who are are forced to become the Earth's last line of defense. Please welcome our wonderful guest, Marcus the Visual. Hey, thank you for having me. Yes, yes, it's very exciting. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah. It is my pleasure. It is my pleasure. And uh, I'm excited to uh, talk all things art, anime, and other things. Well, we are excited, too. Um, well, we w- let's go ahead and uh, do a little bit of news before we get started with this, uh, with your interview. I know some of us have a little bit of news. Um, mm-hmm. Does anyone like to start? I can start with a hot take. Okay, let's oh? start with... Oh, dear. Let's start with some hot take today on Kira Kira Discusses. Okay, hot take. Don't agree with the voice of Missy from Big Mouth and Cleveland Brown from Family Guy being replaced. Oh my Ooh. gosh. Oh, yes. Yeah. I I have been like on the fence about that. I'm like, first of all, it just feels like within this era of time with, you know, the Black Lives Matter protests and, and the b- police brutality protests, people are doing everything but what we want them to do. We just yeah. want police to be held accountable. We don't want, um, oh, I don't know, movies being taken off. HBO Max or like episodes being taken off because it shows blackface. That's not what we wanted. <laughs> That's not what... <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna lie. It's it's a nice gesture. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, the Quaker the Quaker brand thing can take off the mammy icon from Aunt Jemima, but I, we we didn't ask for this. Every we're I literally saw a meme that was like, 
okay, but the cops, and they're saying, we're taking off all these racist symbols, we're taking, we're showing more black, we're showing more black creators, we're like, but the cops, they're saying, why are you so ungrateful? <laughs> I think it's just a matter of them trying to find a quick fix. Yeah, okay, like, hey, if we I, do this, then you imagine, know, maybe they'll stop. I imagine that they're all panicking in a meeting, uh, all these different companies <laughs> that we've never heard from before. Like, what can we do to ride the wave to make sure people still like us? And then, yeah, they just, they're, they're spitballing. They're throwing things against the wall. What about this? It's a great job, Bob. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's do that. Exactly. All right, good. What else? And then they're just, you know, they're kind of going down the list. But yeah. They're, they're coming up with weird stuff. Yeah, they're trying to, like, pacify us with these really weird things that we really didn't want, that we're not asking for from this movement. It's like, it's like, you know, it's, I don't even know if it's the thought that counts. It's like, it's just completely like, it's like when a child asks for some juice, but you give them a bag of chips. It's like, you didn't, we didn't ask for a bag right. of chips, you it's know? Like, I know you wanted this, but how about you, we give you this instead? If anything, like, the chips are, if anything, the chips are just going to make me more thirsty. Exactly. <laughs> um, I will say, like, I understand because I was recently in um, a Zoom call with some Black creators from uh, Netflix, and I think one of them actually did work with um, work work on Big Mouth, and he was basically saying how uh, I cannot remember his name, which I desperately apologize for, but the talk was great. Um, he was basically saying how uh, the voice actress for Missy felt like she was very uncomfortable playing um, playing the role and she thought that she was trying to do some good and on some parts i understand that however however i don't want no one to come for me for this but however it's very hard to replace a pre-established role and my my two big questions are this number one if you felt uncomfortable playing a character that is not of your same race why did you audition for it I think like the original thought behind it was that Missy is technically inter biracial. She is black and white. And maybe mm-hmm. they thought that at the time that having a white actress play a biracial character like somehow mm-hmm. canceled out the fact that ca- canceled out the fact that she was also black. I'm not really sure. Like I don't know. I, I heard the argument for it first, but then like, but then you said that, you know, she started feeling uncomfortable about it and everything. And like, that's something, that's a natural thing that I think, especially during this time, you need to consider. Like, yeah, like a lot of things like, you know, um, you're white and you're playing technically in an, uh, a black or a biracial person. Is mm-hmm. this the, th- the thing that you should be doing? Um, yeah. And I, I guess. I'll completely... the... oh, go ahead. Oh. I was going to say, unfortunately, it's it's been happening in the entertainment industry for far too long. Um, so I don't think it's an accident. They definitely uh, sh- uh, kind of shrugged that off in the industry. is not a big deal until there's a backlash, but they, they keep doing it anyway. So that's where you get Egyptians, white, white actors playing Egyptians. And, oh, no, it's totally fine. We'll just put some makeup on them and call it a day or... You know, um, with voice acting, it's it's a unique thing. Uh, unfortunately, that's why there's not enough, um, you know, uh, the roster of black voice actors in the industry is kind of sparse, especially when you get onto the male side of things. Um, right. Yeah, absolutely. That was that was one of the things that kind of worried me. I, I was actually listening to um, J.D. Wither- J.D. Witherspoon um, talking about this as he does do voice acting. And his take was very interesting because a lot of people were saying, should 
should non-people of color be allowed to voice people of color um people of color roles and i feel like that's a very touchy subject but at the same time it brings me to saying like it's not to say that you can't voice those roles but it's more like you have to do that representation justice like i'm not gonna lie cleveland brown is a very He's he's based on a, quite a few stereotypes. None of us can lie and say that he isn't. That, is he a necessarily good or bad character? No. However, I completely feel like this is just adding white noise into a problem that is not going to get fixed. And I feel like Missy's voice actress probably really did genuinely feel uncomfortable or was feeling pressured uh, for Cleveland's voice actor. No, he did that completely for clout because when you think about it, that do you can you guys imagine what it's going to be like to replace the voice of Cleveland Brown? The it's backlash, <laughs> backlash that will come from that will come from that, or the expectations that's going to be needed, that's going to be yeah. had for the next voice actor. Like now, in the case of um, in the case of Jeannie with Will Smith playing as Jeannie instead of Robert Williams, or um, I can't remember the voice actor's name, but the voice actor for Uncle Iroh and Aku from Samurai Jack. Those are special mm-hmm. cases because the voice actors literally passed. However, those two actors, I'm not going to say anything about the Aladdin live action. Let's just leave it at that. But <laughs> they, I genuinely believe that those two actors did the very best for what they could. Even the new voice actor for Aku and Uncle Iroh said that, um, said that he will not voice Mako's song that Uncle Iroh sung because he's he's trying to do that for respect, but he still did those very well. I think Will Smith did did genuinely the best that he could because no one can replace Robert Williams' voice, no one can replace Mako's voice. However, they were still trying to do justice to the character. It wasn't a matter of the race or anything like that. Hell, Phil Mar plays Samurai Jack. Right, the main Japanese samurai. It's like exactly. So if it comes to that, then. If we really, if, I honestly feel like if we really want to have better people playing the roles of people of color characters, we do not need to switch out the pre-established white voices and make it even harder for the next black actor or next person of color actor to come in and voice those characters. What we need to do is, number one, how about you, oh, I don't know, refer a person of color actor or voice actor how about try and call people out on the casting or when you're sitting at tables? My boyfriend does um my boyfriend does voice acting and I've heard when he does cult reads. I've heard when people do table reads. You can call people out on doing that and say, "Hey, maybe someone else would have a better fit." And I'm sorry, I don't want to hear Beyoncé for every single um <laughs> black actress role. I'm not going to say nothing about her acting. She's a great entertainer, do not get me wrong, but we should not have that expectation for that. We don't need to have the next Halle we don't need to have, have the next Halle Berry, the next um what is it? The next uh Beyoncé, the next what's another one that I thought of? Sierra? The next Re- the next Sierra, the next Rihanna. I want to see more people come in. Get me a show where I can see freaking Ali Wong or Tiffany Haddish or Aquafina. Give me more voices so we can see. Let more people have those opportunities. But don't try to screw up pre-established roles. I genuinely believe that the next voice actor who does Cleveland is going to get so much heat. It doesn't matter if he's black or white. He's going to get so much heat. Yeah, absolutely. And that's not fair to them. Yeah, I think the, the problem kind of goes a little bit deeper, though. Um, when you when you hear I've, I've actually heard this in, in my life before, which mm-hmm. is, you know, you uh, Marcus, you know, doesn't really sound like a black person or, you know, some mm-hmm. or you don't sound black. You don't sound. Uh, and I'm like, what? And I 
calmly mm-hmm. enough. I'm not I'm not quick to anger, but I, because I know where it comes from. It's a it's a subtle form of racism, which is to yeah. say you don't sound ignorant. You know, you don't sound like you see, you know, you're from the streets or you're from the, the country or you know how black people talk and they'll do yeah. that. Yeah. And it's a very subtle uh. you know, form of closet racism, but the industry absolutely, you know, is looking for that. They just don't want to say that out loud. Uh, yeah. comic, there's comic writers who have uh, worked that are working for Marvel and DC um, without saying any names, but they've actually come to us and say, hey, man, you guys got a good gig as independent writers because, you know, as an industry writer, I get told, hey, make them sound more black. And he's mm. and, you know, the, he has to respond as a writer. Well, I, I am black. So what exactly are you talking about? What do you mean Ooh, make them yeah. sound more black? Right. So right. voice actor. <clears throat> I, I haven't read the article you're talking about, but with a voice actress, if she's being told to, quote, make it sound a little bit more like a black lady would, you know, that's where I can only assume that the, that conflict would happen as an actress who's any at in any way conscious of the real problems here in the industry of America um, to say, well, what does that mean exactly? Oh, you know, like a black lady, you know, well, you know, and that's where I can see that problem really manifesting to say, hey, I don't feel comfortable about that because, you know, I have people in my family that are black and they speak perfectly good English. There's, I mean, what are you saying? Um, and that's, I think, honestly, where if you do want an authentic, you know, sounding person that sounds like they're from the South, that's a different thing because there's ignorances in every corner of, you know, <laughs> of the world. So if you say, I want to, t- I want someone that sounds like they maybe were raised in the South because the South does have a vernacular. It has a special. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah. living here in Georgia, um, I've lived in Atlanta since 97. I was raised in San Diego though. So mm-hmm. when I got to Georgia, it was the most bizarre speech pattern I'd ever heard. And me and my brother uh, actually laughed at a lot of it. We were just like, dude, what did you just say? <laughs> you know, uh, especially when we heard the music on the radio, it was actually hilarious to us. But I've come to understand it's like living in any any other place in the world. You get used to the vernacular or the or the, the slangs of where you live. And now I can switch in and out. So if I wanted to sound country, I could sound country because uh, I've worked and, you know, befriended people that have that. But I think empathy plays a big role in saying, okay, but you know, I'm not making fun of you, but I've heard about 50 people talk exactly like this. Yeah. And I think uh, like the Samurai Jack uh, voice, you know, he, him, him as a performer, the brilliant thing about voice actors is if you can genuinely empathize and listen to someone else's speech pattern, and it's not pandering, if you can emulate or imitate accurately. Right you know, a genuine voice pattern. That's, uh, it's a skill and it's, uh, it, it's, it should be respected, but it only gets dangerous when someone says, make it sound, you know, like a, yeah. tri- mm-hmm. you know, like, like a trope, you know? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. It reminds me of a college humor skit where um, it was like an early, early, early career, Nicole Byer, um, the skit where she was like in like a, um, 
interview for um, interview for a acting job and they're just basically asking her to keep be acting blacker and blacker like and and going and saying things like more oprah or more you know you know famous black people that you know people know kind of situation and like you know you would have thought that the way they were asking her all these questions uh, basically asking her to be more blacker you would have thought she would have gotten the job but no they just end up going up going to a white actress instead of a black uh, black actress and it just it, it was funny but also it showcased the fact that like yeah like you know there's these different you can do all these things but in the end there's a huge pop probability that they're going to probably end up going the entire doing a tire 180 and picking somebody that would that they didn't even want all because they just all because they want to hear them try and you know act this stereotypical way if that makes sense right. yeah because mm -hmm. eddie murphy and, and a lot of comedians have been um making fun or poking fun at basically everything we've heard on, you know, throughout the entertainment industry. We're so used to hearing um, Caucasian voices or, you know, American sounding, uh, you know, uh, voices, because it's everywhere. It's in movies, it's in television, it's in radio, it's, you know, on the news. So when you, when you get hired as a newscaster, it's very, very, very rare, very rare. If you'll ever hear someone speak how they were raised speaking. It's you're matching a, a, a pattern that is the status quo for American, you know, uh, mainstream media. So however, comedians, uh, Dave Chappelle, Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, uh, you know, any of the big names, uh, and it goes both ways, usually poke fun. Um, Cause I could do it too. I've, I've, I've been raised in America. If you say, you know, Marcus, you know, how does, uh, you know, uh, a reporter sound. I can switch gears and say, you know, hi, this is Marcus Williams, and I'm here, and I just yeah. want you. you know, it's, <laughs> right. it's yeah. literally saturated with that 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 voice, that that very proper English speaking voice, my entire life. And um, you know, it's it's how you know other other culture we get jobs that way. Uh, Dave Chappelle made a comedy about it. You know, he uh, said he went into uh, pick up his friend from jail. And he was like, it was the scariest moment of his life, but his whole speech pattern changed. He was like, hi, I'm just here to pick up my friend and I just want to make sure. Yeah, and everything, you know, it was it was him poking fun at it, but he was trying to be as less threatening as possible, you know, yeah. uh, and things like this. But it's comedians been doing comedians have been doing it for years um, where it's it's what you hear. It's what you know, um, but it's still done in jest. It's not done to pander or, you know, belittle per se. It's just, this is how you guys, this is what we've heard yeah, um, for right. years. And uh, they, we can make fun of ourselves because uh, it's, it's poking fun of, but it's because of the history, it's really, really dangerous for it to go the other way. And it's unfair, I suppose, but kind of not because, you know, <laughs> we've, uh, we've been the brunt of those jokes. That's where blackface comes from. Yeah, it, it's 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 mm -hmm. done, but it's done in poor taste. Right. Yeah. But yeah, but hopefully we're just hoping that you know, if, if whether whatever the direction to go with with rehiring that it's just like it's. I don't even know if it'll be a smooth. Probably won't be a smooth transition, like Mickey said. But I don't even it, like Family Guy. But I'll. But I'm sorry, y'all better do Cleveland some doggone justice. 
I'm sorry. Like that. I think, I, I better do him justice. Same thing with uh with the granddad and Boondocks. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. People have been really hopping on that. And I've heard people say the only person who should be able to play John Witherspoon is JD um is his son JD. And I'm sitting here like JD is going to have a mental breakdown if he has to voice granddad. I'm yeah. just saying. I don't and that's not to say he can't do it. He most likely probably can. I've heard some of his voice work. He probably can't emulate that. But it's more of don't don't put that on him. This man lost his father like when he I think it was like right before he turned 30 or something like that. Don't do that. Don't do that to him. <laughs> don't do that to that poor, poor man. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I got a lot of people are worried about it. I have faith in it. I think there's enough brilliant. Uh, like I just said, there's brilliant comedians out there that this is kind of their main stick. Where they're like, okay, well, who else can I sound like? I guarantee mm-hmm. you, that, you know, he does. He John Witherspoon did enough wonderful work throughout his career that he can be uh, imitated. Same with uh, Bernie Mac. Bernie Mac can be imitated because he Absolutely. has such a, a, mm-hmm. a wonderful library of work as a comedian and, and as an actor. So I'm not worried. I think someone will get close, especially uh, since he had that much work. Cleveland, of course, uh, the actor did a lot of seasons so far. So. I think he yeah. has enough body of work to Im- to imitate. Uh, so, so I, yeah, I think like because like I think like oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I just say I think I think it'll be fine. Uh, they'll find someone to get close. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Well, the, uh, Darian, didn't you say you have some news as well? I do. I sure definitely do, and it's both. Oh no. <laughs> hey, it's actually some good news. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Technically. If that's oh, a word. Technically, yes. It kind of goes both with video games and anime. Nice. So, Square Enix has officially announced that the world ends with you. The animation will launch internationally in 2021 next year. Ooh. And Ooh. for those who don't know the world ends with you, it's a video game that was created in like 2007 by, of course, Tetsuya Nomura. And it basically takes place in Shibuya of Japan, which, by the way, it is depicted so accurately, you could probably use it as an actual roadmap. That's how impressive wow. this game is. And it's basically about this boy named Neku who wakes up in the middle of this huge crossing with no memory of how he got there and realizes that he has been transported into a different plane of existence. Oh. Called the Underground and becomes a participant in something called the Reapers game. Cool. So, ba- yep. So basically, they he teams up with a girl named Shiki in order to survive the Reapers game, defeat monsters called Noise, and they tried to uncover the nature of this really twisted game. Which is, yeah. Apparently, if you die during this, you you, you just you're done. Whoa. Your existence is just Ooh. done. Oh my so god! Like, it's online. Kind of, yeah. I don't want to say too much. <laughs> But, yeah, apparently the game is being, not the game, the animation will be done by Doe America, and I'm going to butcher this, so be prepared, Shin AE Studio, the studio that's responsible for Doraemon. Oh. So. Oh. 
exciting. Uh-huh. I think I saw the trailer on Instagram. So and if I don't I've never seen the game, but it looks like it could like the art style oh, is looking be- like a direct like a direct yeah. copy from the game. Well, that's good. Cool. As much as the original composer for the music, the original development team working with them in order to create this animation, which I also think is impressive. Um, that's all I have for that right now, but I can also tell you I'm super excited because I played this game a while back and I felt some pain playing this. <laughs> Okay. It's very odd because with the DS, <laughs> it you kind of play two characters at once. Interesting. If you so choose, which was fun in theory, not so fun in uh, application. Mm. So I do recommend it. I'll be putting a link to the trailer into the Discord. Hooray! So and that in the description of our podcast. Yes. Uh, oh. I can figure out how to computer. <laughs> how to computer? All I know is they better not mess up. They better not mess up this game. I'm sorry. I have had very little faith in video games being turned into animations. We've seen too many of them that have gotten messed up. That's very true, but it looks like since they had the original people doing it, and I know Namora and his crazy bud, if he if he's involved, <laughs> then it's going to stick as close to it as possible or not get more twisted and convoluted than it should be. Right. Yeah. Then I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Yeah, the yeah. danger is when, when, when they get a, a developer that's not in conjunction or they're just, hey, de- you know, hey, original creator, give me some notes. Psych, I don't care about your notes. I'm going to do it my way. That's when you get in problems. That's what I'm worried about with that's what I'm worried about with Disney and creating the Kingdom Hearts the Kingdom Hearts animated show. I'm really concerned about that because I don't know how much involvement Disney will let Square Enix have. Like right. right. Since it'll be on their platform. Exactly. There's, there's I'm worried. I'm not even sure how they're gonna be able to do that. See, I didn't actually play those games. Um I did watch a video on YouTube that attempted to make sense of the entire franchise and it was the most <laughs> it was the most hilarious thing i've ever seen um <laughs> trying yeah. to explain dragon ball right well i mean dragon yeah. ball at least has a timeline that you know goku there's a timeline of events yeah, yeah goku technically doesn't change <laughs> to another person uh all the way i mean he had some age you know time thing going on but yeah no it was really really funny uh i was like wow okay uh i don't know i think i'll just be fine on the sidelines i just i just watched the video of the gameplay for the most part when it comes mm-hmm. to kingdom hearts i like the character design um but after that i was just like nah i'll stay far i'll stay far away it's fine i do not blame you i started when i was a child and now i yeah. can't get out <laughs> that's that's yeah. what concerns me. The story is very convoluted, so I'm wondering, okay, where are you gonna start with this? Because there's a lot of start points to this entire game franchise. At least with the world ends with you, there's a straightforward story. Right. Like you get like a beginning, a middle, and an ending, and everything stays pretty consistent. With this Kingdom Hearts, it's like, where are you gonna, you know, put your yeah. foot in? I think it would do if if I have any you know faith in what they would do. Hopefully, they just create something that's based on it. 
maybe they can just start a new direction or something. I don't know because it's it's yeah, like I it's a lot. That's a lot. It's certainly <laughs> right. possible. Like right. it's definitely possible with how many avenues or in like doors they can go into just to start out the story. Because I can see it starting anywhere at this point, and that's what concerns me. So where is the confusion going to start, and where what I need to know when, so I can know when to punch Namora straight in the face. Don't do ghost in the shell, Namora. Don't do it. You will lose fans. There you go, man. Um, Lots have of you guys fans. watched the uh, Ducktales, the new Ducktales? Yes, I've watched, watched some of it. One. Yeah, I I haven't like watched like the whole like from season to season, but I've watched a couple of episodes. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. Uh, I didn't I didn't watch season to season. I don't, I don't have what's I don't know what they played that on. I was mad that it wasn't on Disney Plus. I'm like, why would you do this? I have Disney Plus. Show me the thing. Um, but, uh, oh, that's upsetting. Yeah, I would. I would say I don't think, unless you guys just sound really young, uh, I don't think anyone here is over thirty. Um, so I was very close to it. Hey. <laughs> Y'all so um, rude. <laughs> all, all I was saying is I'm, I'm from the original Ducktales. You know. Fan base, which is you know uh, great intro and everything. Um, I did watch it when I was younger. I will admit that. Okay, good, good, good. Um, I knew it. It, was, it wasn't uh, <laughs> it was the, uh, the episode that I watched. Um, I don't even know if it was multiple episodes that they strung together. It was the one about the kid's mom, and no spoilers, but um, and where she was, and I was kind of surprised. I was like, interesting. This oh is yeah. Nothing oh, like- yeah. Yeah, this is nothing like I remember. What are they doing here? And it was just like, okay, I guess I can I can take this as just new content. Uh, I can't otherwise they're gonna have to live up to my childhood expectations, which we all know is a, a terrible thing to do. Star Wars. Um, you're never gonna live up to those expectations. It's best to just really try to do something new, or you know, you can play it on some nostalgia. But just be creative, come with a new narrative, and see if you can play with the toys in a different way. Right. Yeah, that's how I felt with like Final Fantasy VII Remake. Like, I played that when I was a yeah. child, child, yeah. and I was like, okay, what the hell are they going to do with this? I was scared, and I got the game. It's yeah. like, okay, this yeah. is what I'm hoping for, for like any kind of like reboot, any kind of thing like that, because they just add a lot more context. Yeah, man. That just helped. Like right. if you can help a story make a lot more sense than the original, or just like add stuff that'll make the story a little bit more fleshed out, or add yeah. different things that, while yeah, it deviates from the original story, it more helps it than it does hinder it. Then yeah, I am all for it. Right. It's like just a matter of trying to keep an open mind with these kind of things, and just hope to God that they do make any changes to anything. It's to help the narrative progress i was i think i was screaming at the screen while playing final fantasy 7 remake a pro- not in a mad way <laughs> not in a mad way i was just like that's not what happened what is what's going on here what are we talking about I'm where are these ghosts from <laughs> i'm screaming i'm still screaming because i still have to beat that game but i am still oh like, no spoilers can... all right yeah earmuffs yeah, no. earmuffs don't worry, we're not going to spoil here. I will say, no the, person who, 
I will say that the person who has not watched the I'm um, not watched, but who's ever played the final the first Final Fantasy, and then likes watching someone else play the Final Fantasy remake, I am finding a lot of benefit in like give having that more context because when you you know wait so is is it spoilers if I say like like the first like hour like the first thirty minutes of the game. <laughs> The demo, I think, will be safe. the first thirty minutes of the game. Yeah, yeah. The so demo, that, like when, safe. like okay, when we find out that Shinra, like, was the one who blew it up instead of the the terrorist oh. group, it made a lot more sense to terms of like, well, why, you know, why are they, you know, trying? Like, why like, would they create? Why would they destroy a reactor and call so many casualties and brush it off? Exactly. Yeah. That's the one part of well, the original that I never quite put too much thought into. Because it's like, okay, you blew up the reactor. That's that's no biggie. Okay, there's trash everywhere. No. But in this, they give an explanation. Right. Which... I'm telling you, Namura knows what the hell he's doing. I'm just saying. He knows what he's doing. He's a, he's a, either a master at weaving this m- meticulous web of things, or he's just trying to mash puzzle pieces into that one spot that you know it's not going to fit, but you make it fit, because you have scissors. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's just really good at bullshitting. But if, I if really think it is. If nothing else, if, if the end of that game, no spoiler, if the end of that game is any indication um... <laughs> Of where they're headed, uh, I was excited. I was like, "OMG, are they doing this? They're gonna, they're gonna do this." Mm-hmm. Word, and I'm, I'm the whole time I'm asking questions like, "Wait, wait, 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 what now? What's happening? Why are they seeing this and that?" And yeah, see, no spoilers. I, I've told you I was gonna spoil it, but I know, but I'm just the saying. whole time. Yeah, the whole time I'm like, "What?" <laughs> and I'm excited now, like a lot of people, but also worried. But I'm just like, <laughs> "Okay, you know what? Okay, I enjoyed right. this. Let's see what you do with." It. Exactly. Right. So, like, I see, like, yeah. the thing you did with Cloud's PTSD, love it. Because yeah. that yeah, actually yeah. had me scared for a minute. The thing they did with, yeah. they do with, but, you know, Jesse, Biggs, and Wedge and fleshing them out, right. that was a good call. Right. But I'm just saying, if they do anything, and I mean anything, do hint at my boy Zach, I'm going to wring somebody's neck. <laughs> <laughs> that is but awesome. That, that is a good I... boy they need to put in the bed. Right, but see, that's that's what I'm saying. I think they're doing the right thing. You can, you're never going to live up. If they did a one for one remake of Final Fantasy VII, Mm-mm. people, I think fans would be okay. Um, but I'm sure they had those meetings and were like, "Yeah, but what if we do something else, bro?" And they're like, "Wait, what'd you say? Yeah, yeah. What if we do something else? Like, are you crazy? <laughs> we can't do that." Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, then, and that's what makes a re- the remake right. more of a remake than a reboot. Exactly. Right. So, yeah, if they if they can do, uh, if they can do Kingdom Hearts, man, I would love to jump on as a as a noob to a new story and be like, all right, I can follow this because it's brand new. Uh, start starting from anywhere from the games. I think they're just gonna have to rely on nostalgia and the fans that have played the game religiously from the beginning. Exactly. I think you just put nuggets in there, like, ah, oh, hey, I know that joke, and everybody else can be like, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But they do the world's end with ends with you. That's pretty much a really good call because it's a straightforward story. Yeah. It's like a one it's like a one and done video game. Like there hasn't been another game or spin off in a good dang minute. Yeah. They have it coming to the Switch, I think. 
Or it's yeah, on I think it is coming to the Switch. I think it's coming to the Switch. Okay, good. Then there's all that. So they really can't do anything wrong with this since Nomura's on there. Because if they do mess up, it's going to be like they changed like a major plot point. Cool. That pushes the story forward. But everything else should stay consistent. So I'm not too, too worried since I saw the trailer. Yeah. Right. But, I can't wait to look at the link. I, I also don't know how to navigate in this software, so I'm not going to try to mess anything up by looking for the link you just sent, but I will look up. We'll send it to you. <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah. send it to you. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Oh, but cool. yeah, but but speaking of Disney+, Plus, um, so I, uh, for the 4th of July, they released um, Hamilton on Friday, Yes. And and that's been fantastic because I've been a longtime Hamilton fan, and so I was able to watch at least the first part because I was thoroughly shocked that this was a three-hour play, and I was like, wait a minute, it's three hours? I've never seen Hamilton. <laughs> Plays are usually really long. Plays are usually at least like two yeah. hours minimum, unless it's like a one-woman show or something like that. One-woman show, three hours. <laughs> it's like, Ooh, <laughs> that'd be Hey, I'd watch it. <laughs> Of what? What would you watch a woman show up? <laughs> Shayla, did you forget that my mother has tried to make me quote-unquote cultured and force me to watch plays? Well, yeah, but I'm trying to think who would you sit... Like, I'm asking, like, who would you sit down for for a one-hour, like, just... It's just them for three hours. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> like, if we're, honestly, if we're being completely real, I'd watch a three-hour play of either Kiki Palmer or... The dude who played Draco Malfoy. Who played Draco Malfoy? <laughs> I know the face. I don't know the name. Oh no! I don't know the name either. Uh, I've never seen Harry Potter. There are there are a few actors that can handle that. Yeah. Oh, Tom Felton. Yes. Or like I would listen to James Earl Jones talk, do a monologue for. Hours, it's like you know, he can literally just recite yeah. the newspaper. I'd be like, man, wow, the weather is so interesting. <laughs> I love it. It's great. Or this is the Morgan Freeman. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, a Samuel L. Jackson angry rant for three hours. That would be great. Samuel, that'd be perfect. If he could be angry for three hours, I'll be, I'll be happy. <laughs> angry for three hours. <laughs> oh my god. But yeah, I was really happy about watching Hamilton because like you like even with COVID, before COVID, it was just literally impossible. If you want to go see Hamilton on Broadway, you had it was literally impossible. It would be sold out for years and you would never get to see if you were mm-hmm. if you were a peasant, you would never be able to see Hamilton. And so peasantness. It was on yeah. DVD at one point and I could never find it. I was so upset. I had to stick to looking at YouTube clips. Yeah, and then some people, some artists have, um, that uh, they did like storyboards or animatics of songs. That basically was my my Hamilton fix for a long time, and so now Disney Plus released the entire show, and it's and it's not just um the original; it's literally the original show with the main with the original main cast actors with Lin Ma- Lin Lin Manuel Miranda and everybody else. And like, um, I think in 2016, it was a 2016 recording. So like, yeah. I, pro- I, I applaud Disney Plus for getting their hands on that. Cause like, that's, that's one of the, that should be a moneymaker for a while. Like if you want to see the, like a original recording of Hamilton, you better pay six ninety nine for Disney Plus. <laughs> and I have Disney Plus oh. and that means I can watch it. Oh my God. 
Let's yes. just prove that Disney owns that Disney owns everything. This is getting close. They're getting close. I I can only That's assume it, whatever they don't own, they probably have a pretty pretty scary meeting with those people. Like, hey, you know, uh, you're free right now, but how long is that going to really last? Oh God, I don't want to be oh, part no. of that meeting. <laughs> it's like, oh no. Oh, I mean, it's either. It's either like you you shiver in fear or you like you're jumping for joy the fact that Disney wants to buy you because you know you're depending on what the, what your asset is then you know it's gonna be like they're gonna either make a whole park or make ten thousand movies of it or like I don't know make a make a crap ton of merchandise like you'll be set for life but it just it depends right. on like your your creative creative integrity in terms of that. Right. I'm sorry. My my nickname may be Mickey, but I don't want to be owned by the mouse. I don't. I really. <laughs> but I mean, Aww. think about saying no to those guys, man. Oh my gosh! Oh, you're gonna say no, Is and that's that when I think? that's when I disappear, and that's when I disappear <laughs> off the face of the earth. You're just gonna go go into right. hiding. No, I'm hiding right. with you, Darian. They won't be able to find me. What? What are you hiding with me? Because who hides better than you? Wow. Oh, and good point. <laughs> oh God! There you go. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they take no. I, I would only assume they don't take no well at this point. It's, if they don't take no, they're crazy. just like okay, and then they come back six months later. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I think your car would explode before that six months. We're like, oh, well, that's tragic how your car exploded. <gasps> that was you. <laughs> I'm. Uh, <laughs> Under an NDA, I can't speak about it. But other than that, <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, you know, other than that, oh ready my to god. So yeah. about our deal. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, and I, I kind of knew with going back to Hamilton, it ca- you kind of knew was happening because, like Lin Manuel Miranda, once he got like Hamilton famous, like Disney asked him, like, "Hey, you want to write a couple songs for uh, some upcoming Disney movies? You want to do a, uh, you want to do what? What did he do? He did like um, he want you want to write some Moana songs? You want to yeah. you want to do some other stuff? And then it's just like it was only a really a matter of time until they're like, we want them Hamilton rights. Put it on. We want to put it on Disney Plus, bitch. I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> right. I'm just. It can't be anything nice. Just, they probably come off. You know what? To be honest, the most horrifying version of this kind of meeting is they. They're probably pleasant until you, you know, get to. I don't know. Acting like you don't, you don't want to go along with the program, and then they just smile at you or something. It, I, it's probably. Oh, that's scary. Oh my god! Yeah. Are they trying to make you drink the punch? I don't want that punch. Don't drink the Kool-Aid, man. Don't do it. Mm-mm. Like, nah, oh. nah, so we understand your reasons for wanting to rem- remain independent. However, we uh, <laughs> you'll hear from us. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I don't want to hear from <laughs> you, though. Yeah. <laughs> It'll pro- it's probably horrifying. I feel bad for any company that's running from them. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, it's probably like so terrifying in that 20th century meeting. It's just like, Right, <laughs> you know how this is gonna go, guys. I don't know why you're playing hard to get. Right, you'll never own us. Psych, psych, psych. You thought, uh, Yana? Do you have any news for, from the uh, anime world? 
I mean, other than, you know, the the summer season of anime, like, starting up soon. And oh, it is? I guess... Shoot. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're in summer, anime. Mickey. <laughs> oh, I, cool. oh, we are in summer. It. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, you poor thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. Uh, don't, don't, don't feel bad. Um, I, I honestly stopped tracking time a long time ago. I was just like, <laughs> what? It's my birthday? For real? School? <laughs> All right. Oh, wait. School starts up in three weeks. I what? am screwed. Okay. Like, seriously? Uh, oh my gosh. For them, yeah. Oh, that's so early. That's so scary. <laughs> that's terrifying. I'm just ready to get it done. Cool. You'll do great. But I'm scared. What are some of the um what are some of the um upcoming anime for the summer, Diana? Because yeah, I haven't are... even looked at the list yet. What's your most watched summer 2020 anime, if it's still happening? <laughs> um, Let me check, like, what's coming up real quick. Uh, I know that Fire Force is, like, second season is coming up. So is ReZero. That's that. the second yeah. season. Uh, oh. Fire Force. Okay, what? I, I gotta finish Fire Force. I, I started yeah. it, and I liked, yeah, I liked everything I was seeing. <laughs> mm-hmm. The weirdest thing, I was like, I like this. And then I stopped watching it. Yeah. 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 That happens a lot. Cool. Okay, I thought I was alone. I, I think what what got me is I was like, I had to look up. Are they? Did they? Des- who designed the, the the main character? And I was like, this got to be the same guy, my hero, right? Let me let me let me double check. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I I can't remember what I found, but it was it wasn't him. No, it, yeah, it was the guy who um, this is the same guy who did uh. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, soul eater, soul eater, dang it, yeah, yeah, soul eater. Yeah, 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 and that threw me off. I was like, but, but, but it looks like him. Looks like the same character design. But yeah, it does, but I think it's more for the line art that was really kind of messing with me a little bit because at first I thought it was my hero. I I haven't watched yeah. my hero yet, and I know Sheila's gonna yell at me about that later. But uh, anyway, like the whole thing, like the whole thing. Yeah, I saw anything of it. Cool. I, I, I was one episodes. I was once in your place. I, I resisted it because I was like, I don't know what you people are talking about. What the crap is just my hero academic? What is this? I, I remember being slightly resistant. I can understand. Yeah, I, I honestly like, want to get through JoJo, but um, before I even touch my hero, because that that's massive. But mm-hmm. uh, I I was I saw the um I saw the smile that the main character does, and I was like, that's Soul. No one can tell me different. That is Soul Evans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like the art style has like a striking resemblance to Soul Eater because you know same artist. But a little bit of like fun fact: this is the same studio, like David Production, that does the animation for, funnily enough, JoJo. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh Jesus, no. <laughs> cool. Cool. Yeah, it's like I don't remember. I think because like this is different, same artist for Soul Eater, but different studio animating. So like for Soul Eater, mm-hmm. they got um. Crap! I'm I'm like flaking on its name. Um, I'm gonna have to look that up. <laughs> it's the same. It's basically the same studio that that's doing My Hero right now. And then oh, they, I believe David. I think David Productions. This is the um studio that's d- working on Fire Force. So people yeah, are really concerned at the beginning about like, oh, is there gonna be a ma- a major difference in animation? But overall, I think so far it's looking really great. Like from the ep- episodes that I watched. But Shay, well, the the company's called David Productions. Yes, yeah, Mickey. I, I thought you said David didn't like anime. <laughs> dang, dang it. No, 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 wrong David, Mickey. Oh, I, was David. Mess- I know, I was messing with her. Oh, Jesus Christ. 
Yes. I was going to say, if her fiance all of a sudden has an anime company, I'm going to I'm going to be angry. <laughs> he wouldn't even know what to do. He'll be like, um, the, the artists do artist stuff. Writer, uh, oh, do writer stuff. Uh, but yeah. Cool. cool. Is there is there a word? Do they know when the next season of uh, My Hero is coming out? Next year, I think, or the year after that, it could change depending on like um, how far along they were in terms of like yeah. production and like uh, staff on hand because of Corona virus and gotcha. whatnot. Mm-hmm. Give me enough time to finish um, to finish up JoJo and then finish uh, my hero because I mean I can't go nowhere so, and so yeah right, right. yeah. The world fire. Fire. Just watch some anime. <laughs> Yeah, That's all I've been doing. Just watch an anime. Oh, and I, I had a I had a weird thing about JoJo. Um, I don't know if I started the right anime. I'm really confused by it. I've seen images of where JoJo. Uh, the, the see, I've seen these images of him fully adult and stuff. And then I started this one. I thought maybe I'm doing it wrong. Maybe I just I'm not patient enough. So, does it does it start like, off with him as a young person? Yes, it does. Uh, there's like parts to it. Oh. Good. Yeah. And so like with each part you follow like the the life of like each Jojo like um oh, yeah there's numerous. I thought Diana yeah. correct me if I'm wrong but isn't the didn't the first jo- um Jojo for Jojo's Bizarre Adventure that ever came out didn't it came out in like the 90s? Yeah, yeah. Was that Jonathan? I or- think so. I might be Josuke and just something. And just something. <laughs> I, I, Jonathan, I, Joseph, Jotaro, Joseph, Jotaro, uh, Jolene, Jolene, Jolene. <laughs> Jolene. No, I know it's Jorno, Jorno before Jolene. My bad. Oh, because uh, uh, for part six, the one that's getting animated soon, I, I want to say it comes out. 2021 maybe 2022 um they have like a female protagonist you do realize people are gonna be singing jolene right jolene (laughs) oh ready dolly dolly parton Oh, I have some anime news. Um, it's oh. it's video and anime news. So apparently, so I was watching the um Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. You know, I don't know if you guys have heard of that game, but like they did like a little re- update on like with the story and some more gameplay details. But on top of that, they uh, announced that Studio Trigger is working on a companion anime in the yeah. Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven universe, and I think it's gonna come out in like either twenty twenty two. And it was just like, oh my, like yeah, I heard that. Was like super surprised about that. Right. Ooh, that cool. Should've, it should have been done by now. I mean, come on, man. That's just that should have been at the beginning of the plan. <laughs> Let's do this, and you know it'll be cool. We do an anime. And, oh my god, that's great. Let's start now, like before the game. I, yeah, I would. I, I'm yeah. just excited about. The, I think I'm more excited about the actual what what they're gonna build onto this. Um, I've watched a good handful of the trailers and you know, behind the scenes and what they're hoping to do with this game. <clears throat> and I'm not, I'm genuinely not, um, nothing about the gameplay excites me to the point to say this is going to be revolutionary. I like where the story concept is going, but 
Uh, I saw a fight scene recently. I was like, ah, it's terrible. It's a terrible <laughs> fight scene. Um, and I was just like, mm, I'm just going to bank on, hopefully they build on to this in the next three to five years. Right. And it becomes really something really, really big. Yeah, I people are just like it's probably the most if we're talking about right now, the most I anticipated hyped game of 2020 right. and probably beyond, right? And unless until it comes out is Cyberpunk 2077. And like people are just so excited cuz one, there's an era there's an um an array of mystique around it. Like um CD Project Red has barely released anything about this game. It's a matter of just like in name, you know it's um you know somewhat like story details have not been leaked. Like it's barely been it's a game that's barely been leaked. Like and mm-hmm. all they really talk about with it is kind of, with what they give you. Like whatever morsel of information they can give you, they'll bring it to people. And like some video critique gamers have had their, have gotten their hands on it and have talking about it. But it's literally just in it's through just word of mouth and just that's why it's so hyped right now. I personally like when I when I see this stuff, I'm really excited about it because like I mean I like cyberpunk aesthetic. I like futuristic yeah. cyberpunk aesthetic uh, aesthetics. And mm-hmm. I mean with the portfolio that's has with you know The Witcher and stuff like that being one of the you know most the biggest probably the biggest open world games of this of at least the last decade. I mean there's a lot of hype to to this game that whether it's good or not, it's like people are going to flock to this game no matter what it looks, what it does or what it looks like. The scary thing, I think, and I, I can say this because I've, I loved, loved, loved what Grand Theft Auto V did with their recent installment. Um, but I still have humongous expectations for what they do next. Honestly, and this is coming from a place of love, it would have made more sense for this company to literally just partner with Grand Theft and say, we're going to make a new we're just going to reskin the crap out of Grand Theft Auto V, and we're going to make it, you know, futuristic steampunk. Everything that you see in that game is not going to look like it is in this game. Like, honestly, Grand Theft Auto V, the engine that they built, um, was so, so incredibly uh, groundbreaking in terms of what you can do. What you can do. Uh, and then you look at what their their release notes and their, their from the development notes, they're like, yeah, you're going to fly in a car, but you don't get to control it. Yeah, you know, you get an apartment, but you don't get to customize. You know, Grand Theft Auto Five literally said, we need to hire different, you know, development companies to pour love into those little smaller mini-game things. Yes, you can, you can pimp out your car. It's a whole, you know, portion of the game developed just for that. And... When I hear stuff like that in steampunk, I mean in cyber, uh, that that you know the upcoming game, it's disappointing because I'm like, but Grand Theft Auto did a great job of that. Why wouldn't you put that in? You know, you mm-hmm. got the money. Let's do it. Um, I would I would honestly love to play that up- upcoming game as if it was you know Grand Theft Auto just reskin because that means you would be able to change clothing, add the whole steampunk aesthetic, add the, the cyber, all that stuff. Great voice acting, music, you name it. But they already built a great world in Grand Theft Auto V. Just reskin them up, man. Stop, stop playing. Uh, and then really just take, take, take notes from that. Because it's, it's really, really disappointing to hear. Uh, the only thing I want from Grand Theft Auto V now, I, don't, I, I think I heard rumors of them trying to map out all of the United States, which is ridiculous. I, I don't oh, no. That, oh, that, no. That's that's crazy. crazy. That's yeah, that, 
as someone who has done 3D modeling and I've I've seen right. what other people have done just in our one class just to model out one city, that mo- yeah. that rendering will literally destroy the entire office building. <laughs> exactly. So I, that's ridiculous, but I would I would no. love if they did, you know, islands or you know, you if you if you have any loading screen. Yeah. To, now you're going into another city. Mm-hmm. It's now Vice City. It's now this city, and that that's the only. Other, and then of course I need them to just stop playing. Let me walk into every freaking building that has a door. <laughs> every yeah. building. I don't. I don't want to hear this. We can't do it. Garbage. You modeled it. Make it happen. It has. <laughs> I see a door. I want to walk into it. Let's do that. Right. I and think that's. that's- just- Go oh, ahead. go ahead. I was gonna say I think, I, that's what I was. I would hope that they would do for Grand Theft Auto Six. Like if they're that's taking such a long too. time, yeah, if they're taking such a long time to like if they're going to announce Grand Theft Auto Six, whatever. I'm thinking whatever you see, like all the things you're saying, Marcus. Like I, that, I hope that's what they're doing, especially since we're moving to next gen consoles where the rate yeah. time for load screens is basically non-existent anymore. They're they're basically yeah. hyping yeah. that there is no, no such thing as as loading screens anymore in next gen. Right. So like I'm yeah. I'm if that's what they want to do. And and that's the direction that they want to go in with Grand Theft Auto Six. Then I'm definitely like, then the future is theirs. And but right. going back to um Cyberpunk, they took a lot. Of, I know they said they took a lot of inspiration from Rockstar, like Grand Theft Auto yeah. Five and everything. And so yeah. like I know I heard from the customizations, like if you 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 can either play as male or female, you can literally mm-hmm. customize anything, even down to the junk size. <laughs> I'm like, right. what? Whoa, whoa, yeah, yeah. junk yeah. size? Yes, oh, yeah. junk size. <laughs> The- and that that goes back to the comment we were we were talking about earlier. It's like I didn't ask for that though. Like I I want to customize my car, man, not my junk size. Let me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. It's in there. It's in there. That makes me think of in how in Yandere Simulator, like you can customize the hair, you can mm-hmm. customize the outfit, and you can also customize the bust size of the Yandere girl. And that makes me think this child is in high school. We don't need this. The game isn't yeah. even like fully coded for oh, Yandere gosh, Simulator. Yeah. Uh, we're not gonna get into we're not gonna get into that because I have a very big love-hate relationship with even just the concept of that. But in any case. Rockstar, give us Grand Theft Auto Stick. Give us Grand Theft Auto Six. Stop being babies. Stop being cowards. Um, cowards! Uh, if you can make a, a horse poop all the time, then you can make. <laughs> then you can do whatever Marcus just said. <laughs> oh my god! Because <laughs> you know it's about the same level of difficulty to make a horse poop. So yes, uh, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> um, I, but I, I want a flying car. That was it's. If I can't live out that dream in reality, which I was promised to by Back to the Future, fine. Just put it in a game that absolutely immerses me in that. And that's the world I would think I would be living that dream, which was Cyberpunk, whatever, what is it, 2077? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fine. That's far enough for me to say, yeah, that should, they should solve it by then. But they're like, nah, you're not going to get to do that. Like, Why, though? That's what I want. Give me that. Uh, I love the I love the concepts that they are presenting, though. But in in practicality, that's a huge huge order to say. You know, we're going to program the, an an any game that you can say. You know what? Don't fight. You just hack your way through. If that's how you want to play, that's a hard thing to program. Um, yeah. 
because you're, you're now talking about play styles versus what you have established as a linear pro, you know, process of telling a story. Yeah, that's that's hard. <laughs> that's really hard to program. I think it's like one I'm of those things. Oh, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, I'm I'm looking forward to playing. I'm gonna play it, which is also what makes me upset. But um, I'm not. I don't think I have my expectations because of Grand Theft Auto kind of ruined it uh, for yeah. me because they they have that in mind, saying what would be fun to be able to customize and explore. Can you climb any mountain you see? Can you, you know, cross these boundaries? Uh, what what are the boundaries? And they did a really good job. I don't know how much you guys played Grand Theft Auto Five. I played through every single one because I was forced to play it by my aunt on her original PS2. <laughs> God, I love Wait, those games. I, I remember. <laughs> I remember cool her. Tell, I remember her. Yes, I remember. Honestly. She's the one who introduced me to video games. The first video games that I played, which, in my opinion, some of these were not appropriate for a seven-year-old. But I remember right. playing. I remember playing Spyro, Crash Bandicoot, okay. Grand Theft oh, yes. Auto, oh. and God of War. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that cool. last one not appropriate. The last one, seven, is probably not the right age. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I just remember I just remember playing Grand Theft Auto and being told guys the why? Okay. Welcome back to Kira Kira Discusses. Uh, so we're going to get started with our interview with um, with uh, Marcus the Visual. So one of the first questions that I have for you, Marcus, is that I want you to go give us like a rundown of your career timeline so far. So, you know, how it, like so how did you get started with illustration, comic books and what led you up to this point? Uh, July 2020. Sure, sure, sure. Um, long ago uh, when I was graduating high school um i didn't know absolutely had no idea what i wanted to do with art uh i i remember practicing saying i wanted to be an animator but in my right before i graduated high school i found out exactly how much work goes into that and that's just not my dig i'm not i'm not that passionate uh, i don't want to draw 500 images just to see about you know a minute of movement so um graduated started working at some odd jobs worked at the you know car wash movie theater Worked in the mall at a shoe store, things like this. Um, and long story short, the young lady I would go on to marry uh, was a woman. We went to high school together, and I hadn't seen her after graduation. But she comes up to the movie theater. I'm in the, the little ticket booth, and she's like, hey, you know, are you still drawing? I'm like, hey, yes, I am, actually. I'm just working at the movie theater right now, you know, just trying to make some money. And she's like, cool, you should meet my uncle. I'm like, that's really weird to say to a grown man. 
why should I meet your uncle? <laughs> and she's like, uh, she's like, yeah, no, he's the uh, art director at Cartoon Network. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I get off at 3 p.m. Let's go meet your uncle. <laughs> and uh, we actually did. We really did. Uh, you know, drove out that night to the guy's house uh, and he looked at my sketch. All I had was a sketchbook at the time. I was not a professional artist by any means at the time. But um, he looked at my work. They were looking for some freelance um, help, basically, to catch up on this, I don't know, little show called Powerpuff Girls. Uh, they were doing comic work for uh, the Powerpuff Girls, and they needed some extra help to get caught up uh, in completing the comic work. And they were having some trouble finding artists that can mimic the style. Um, and I'm like, so all I got to do is draw these little wop-headed girls? That's fine. I can do that. And... Um, Literally gave me a pencil test. Yeah, he gave me a pencil test, and I, I knocked it out. And he was like, "Yeah, perfect. Here's some work." And it was just three pencil pages of you know a rough comic page for the Powerpuff Girls comic. And uh, I didn't draw the rough. I was just I was assigned with doing a clean blue line pencil version of that rough. And I just had to stay on model of the character design. And of course, back then I was 19. I didn't sleep much. So I finished it, finished all three pages in, in, the, in that night and turned it in the next morning. And he was like, oh, my God, you finished already? I was like, yes. Is that wrong? Should I have taken longer? What? He's like, no, 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 you're fine, man. Here's your check. And he gives me a check for like three grand. So Ooh. I was like, please, you know, please, please, sir, can, can I have some more? And uh, <laughs> he's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, man, here's five pages. And, of course, I was absolutely uh, bonkers about finishing that. I turn it in uh, maybe a day or so later, and he gives me a check for five grand. And I'm like, I like this. Let's keep doing it. And uh, I did about three months' worth of uh, freelance for them. It was some of the best money I'd ever, cre- uh, I'd ever made. And it set in motion my love or my interest in I like getting paid for art. This is a good deal. So... Mm-hmm. Um, next 10 years would be dedicated uh, to freelance and just kind of building myself as an illustrator and doing odd, odd freelance jobs, everything from children's books to uh, logo, random everything. Can you draw my dog? Yes, I can draw your dog for money. Yes, do that. Um, and the, uh, long story short of it is that I, I came to the conclusion that as a freelancer, I, you don't own anything. You, you have this wonderful plethora and really rich portfolio but mm-hmm. you don't own any of the work over the years that you create, uh, unless you have a specific you know, deal with someone. But that set in motion the concept of maybe I should create my own thing. And uh, right before that happened, I had, I, w- I had been working on a comic book. Uh, I had been freelanced into doing a cat comic book called Hero Cats of Stellar City. And it's exactly what it sounds like. It was a bunch of cats who are heroes. Uh, and they uh, they didn't have super cost- superhero costumes or anything. They were genuinely cats. But it was a really fun story. I'd never done a full-length comic before. And that really taught me everything I was trying to figure out about the process of creating a comic. Um, I, I, miss, I missed a, a very good milestone. Back in 2001, I created a comic along with my first comic client, which was Greg Burnham, uh, who you know, I'll, I'll let you know now is uh, currently my business partner writing on Tuskegee Airs. 
Mm-hmm. So um, co-writing on that book. He initially, lo- he was looking for a- an artist that could properly render black characters. And he was having a hard time. So <laughs> a mutual friend of ours introduced <laughs> us together. And he's like, hey, man, Marcus can draw. And Greg was a little skeptical because he had already gone through about three or four uh, people who he says was tracing and or, you know, using photographs and all that stuff. So uh, we met him. We met, kind of hit it off. I showed him that I can draw, you know, whatever on the spot. And we actually created a comic way back then uh, in 2001 called Starving Artist. I was I look back at it now and I cringe, but he wants to re-release it. And I'm like, dude, no. Um, But back then, and I'm only telling you this because back then we actually did self-publish the book and we had it in uh, Atlanta. Uh, One of the stores was called Criminal Records and no one knew that it existed. We just put it on the shelves. We had a, a consignment deal with that local shop and the guy was like, yeah, I'll put it on the shelf. And I think we put five issues on the shelf and they were gone before the end of the week. And the, uh, the owner was like, hey, man, got any more of those books? And we were printing at uh, this place called Kinko's at the time. <laughs> so we had a, this terrible, terrible business strategy where it cost us $10 to print one book. But we were selling each book for only $4 and some change. Uh-huh. So while it felt good to, to know that perfect strangers were walking into the shop and were buying our books for no other reason except we, we can only assume they like the way it looked or um, but we we paid 50 bucks for five more five more printings of this and they all sold out very quickly and uh, we were not rich at the time so we couldn't afford this business strategy and I think we made one more attempt to put the books up and they sold out and we were like hey we can't really keep up with this production so sorry we're gonna have to pause um, but bar you know from that, we learned we didn't know what the hell we were doing. And so fast forward, now I'm working on Hero Cats, Stellar City, and I'm talking to the publisher. I'm talking to the owner of how he gets the books printed and things like this. So he's giving me all this great information that I didn't know about how to successfully print a comic. So yeah, from that, I was able to actually get to the next point of saying, we can do a comic now, man. Um, and that's where uh, started the Kickstarter for God. Tuskegee Airs came about in the at the end of 2015, going into 2016. And I can I can do the elevator pitch. I'm, I'm a little unpracticed because I haven't been traveling to conventions. But <clears throat> the uh, the elevator pitch that you gave earlier in the show is is just about right. So Tuskegee Airs is a futuristic sci-fi action adventure set 80 years into the future from now. And it follows five young pilots that are being trained by a descendant of the Tuskegee Airmen. The only trick is that in this future, man flight is illegal. That means any, you know, human pilot, uh, it's absolutely illegal for a human to pilot an aircraft. Mm -hmm. And that's when these kids are being trained. They're being trained under the radar because their mentor, Colonel Mars, fears that there's some looming evil that's going to come out of the government. Uh, based on some intel that he got. Um, They're flying the P-51 Mustangs from World War II, just renovated. But when that evil actually shows up, it's a robotic army that's released on society, the kids are going to be the last line of defense. 
against this army because they're the only pilots. Uh, fortunately, their P-51s of old are not going to hold up, and they're going to need to get an upgrade to some jets that transform into these giant robots. Ooh. And that's where we start the issue, uh, the first issue of Tuskegee Airs. We throw the, uh, the audience along uh, the ride with the newest pilot edition, who is able uh, mm. to the team. And uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty fun ride. Of course, it's been inspired by anime and every anime series that throws a teenage pilot into a death machine robot. So, um, Evangelion. Exactly. exactly. All, all Gundam, all the good ones. Uh, Macro, yeah. you name it. So that's the uh, that's that's where we kind of get the premise. But we quickly found out with the Kickstarter that uh, we set our first goal for ten thousand dollars on the Kickstarter. Um, and we we're of course nervous. We're like, man, you think we're gonna get ten thousand? I don't know. Should we set it lower? And we hit the button on the Kickstarter to start it, and within eight hours we got ten thousand dollars. Wow. So we were, of course, uh, bouncing all over the room, like uh, everywhere. Like, oh, my gosh, what now? What do we do now? So we had 29 days to go on the Kickstarter. And at the end of that 30 days, we successfully raised $74,000. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was like bonkers. We had no idea that it was going to do so well, but we were happy that it did. And that's what uh, we've been creating uh, ever since. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, you kind of touched on this a little bit during your um, timeline of your career, but with, you know, you, um, when you came to talk to us at ECU, you discussed how you mostly, you make mo the most of your money going from, con uh, um, going from cons to cons. And so right. with like um, the pandemic and COVID-19 and everything, like, how have you transitioned from being um, a con, <laughs> lol, con artist, <laughs> but to, <laughs> to working and basically maintaining your, um, your, uh, your, yeah. gosh, I can't talk, your, um, your work from home. Lively livelihood, yeah. Livelihood. Um, there we go. Is, there we go. Hey, Shayla, you stole my question. I was going to ask what challenges <laughs> do you face in freelance work, especially now? You stole my question. Okay, well, we mix them together. Two, let's a two, let's do a two question. That question, two like, how do you do free, free? How are you doing freelance work? Like, how is it different from before, like, before and now kind of situation? And then, like, yeah, basically. Yeah, no. The uh, the good thing is, um, the twenty years of freelance um, had never it, it never really stopped. I, I I've been practicing on how to survive with art. <clears throat> for 20 years now, and thankfully, it has not been an impossible road for me. Um, the convention life was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful way to have um, income that is basically fed by everything I was doing in between freelance or conventions. So I would come up with concepts. Uh, poster poster series is what I'm going to, I basically coined it. It's, it's, it's a poster series. Mm -hmm. So if I come up with Sonic the Human as a concept, as a fan concept, a fan fiction concept, I ended up designing well over 10 posters for that series. And I would go to a show and people are like, do you have that Sonic the Human thing? And then I would say, yes, I do. I, which one do you want? And I have a deal right mm -hmm. now. If you get this many, you get this much. You know, it costs this much. 
So it was a great way to kind of bridge the gap between my personal creativity and showing up to a convention to sell comic books and you know other art that I have there. But freelancing is kind of always in the background. It's always been there. Even when I had a full-time job, um, I was freelancing and doing illustration. So the pandemic, and I always felt guilty when people are like, hey man, how's it going? It's, I'm like, dude, I, I kind of just live in my life like I normally do because I stay in front of my computer 18 hours of the day already. So uh, kind of normal. Uh, yeah, I still get to go to the grocery store, <laughs> put gas in my mm -hmm. car, but I'm not really living anything very different from what I normally would. So um, freelance now, it's just I've increased the, I kind of opened opened the, the, the floodgates a little bit more, saying yes to a lot more people, which normally mm -hmm. I wouldn't have the opportunity to do because of the travel. And I can't do this in the timeline you're asking me. Um, do I have you know five shows in the next two months? So I can't really open the floodgates too much uh, under normal circumstances. But now that we're all at home, I can kind of say, you know what? Yes, 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 yes. And um, you know, get rent money and, and bill money, all that good stuff. But I'm right. gonna change the business strategy up a little bit. And I haven't announced this formally, but it's okay. I've said I've I've mentioned it to a few people. Um, I am going to change the strategy because I don't really like and forgive the the language here. I don't really like prostituting my art uh, or the service <laughs> of freelance. You know, it, it's like you do it for so long, and you're like, I kind of, I'm, I'm kind of done with that. Mm. Um, you know, that life. You know, mm. and I, I much, much rather enjoy. I enjoy creating whatever makes me excited because I don't have to question why I'm doing it. I don't have to go back and forth with my own creativity to be like, eh, you know what? You know, I think I liked it the other way. I know exactly why I'm creating it and where it's coming from. But um, in order to get to that point, I'm going to, I'm actually been creating my own personal artist app, uh, Marcus the Visual mobile app. Oh. And that's, that's going to kind of, yeah, that's going to sidestep all of this. How do we buy stuff from Marcus? How do we see stuff, uh, videos and uh, tutorials and uh, workshops and you name it. Uh, that I'm banking that this is going to be the next evolution of myself as a business person, entrepreneur and creative. Because mm -hmm. there's a lot of things I want to do, but it's kind of hard to do that when you have freelance people throwing money at you. And you're like, I can't turn that money down because I need the money. Right. But if I can create a solution for me, for myself as an artist, an entrepreneur, that keeps money coming in, and I don't have to worry about Facebook throttling who sees my post. Even mm. though I have 30,000 30, people on Facebook, I only get, you know, 500 likes. That doesn't really match because I didn't pay for any of my following. Uh, right. Instagram is very similar. They throttle. Yeah. Like, hey, you got... 500 likes. You can get more likes if you pay us five bucks. That whole thing. So uh, I'm hoping to sidestep those, uh, you know, the social networks to say, you know, download my app. It's a direct line to who I am. And, you know, here's all the stuff you wanted to buy. Some things are going to be exclusive to the app. And I won't have it on my website. So I think that's incredible. That's an incredible business tactic. And it certainly helps that it bypasses the the algorithms that have been put in place for 
Facebook and right. Instagram. Yeah. Face, let's face it, the Instagram al- algorithm sucks. Right. It's it sucks. so mm-hmm. sucky. Yep. But it works for them. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 It makes them mm-hmm. It's yep. a monopoly, honestly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, I've been racking my brain for years. Like, how should I do an email list? Or how can I beat this? You know, if people really want to know. But even the email has its faults. Uh, was it MailChimp? Um, tells yep. you, like, mm-hmm. hey, man, this is not guaranteed. Some people have spam filters. Some people, you know, if you have too many images, you have too many links, we're going to, it's going to be flagged as spam. And, Maybe yeah. they turn off images so they won't see it the way you intend to. And I'm like, ah, oh my gosh, how do I beat this? So a mobile app actually was the best solution I've come up with. So I'm excited about it. I've been working on it for a few few months now, and uh, I'm going to be marketing and releasing that real soon. So awesome. that's, that's going to be the, the new way to kind of beat the beat the wave of being at home. And also, I want to keep creating what I want. Right. So oh, we got a here exclusive. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, your follow up question with that has app development app development been easy? Like, have you been doing your own app development? Have you gotten a third party to help you with this app? Um, I could have done that, and I eventually will. Uh, I've been using a software uh, tool uh, or third party software, I guess, similar to what uh, WordPress does for people that want to create websites. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes it makes the process of creating, you know, pages and, and content basically a drag and drop or, you know, tell us what content you want on this page. You select it and then you fill out the parameters and then it shows up on the page. Um, you upload images and text and so forth. But the functionality is kind of already coded out and you just kind of piece it together like Legos. So um, that's what I've been using. However, because I am a bit of a tech and or I love I, I, want, I think I, the better way to say it is uh, I'm, I'm an experience nerd. I, I enjoy creating experiences. And if I'm frustrated by the fact that I can't create the exact experience I want with my mobile app initially. So I am going to start working with actual developers and, you know, people that can code functionality into it. And I'll upgrade that. This is version 1.0 is what I've named it. So um, after the launch of the app uh, and the functionality is going, going pretty good, I'm absolutely going to seek out some professional help to make it the best experience, something that's unique to how you navigate, to how you see the content and so forth. Awesome. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, this is very, exci- very excited for um, this venture. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm scared and excited, but yes. That's good. <laughs> that's a good combination. That's good. Yeah, yeah. basically. That's a, that's a healthy combination to have. <laughs> right, right. But yeah, um, so moving on to our ne- my next question, I wanted to ask, you know, it's no, it's no surprise what's going on or what um, we've been most um, kind of talking about throughout our show with, you know, the protests and Black Lives Matter and everything. And so uh, <laughs> this is just one thing that's happening on top of the pandemic as well. So, like, has the Black Lives Matter protests, have they influenced the way you're using your platform? to um, get the word out or maybe helping you, you know, are people discovering your art more being a uh, black, um, a African-American artist, a comic book artist? 
I think uh, it's I've definitely got a swell of orders, and I I can only contribute that to maybe people sharing uh, my work, and um, I'm okay with that. Definitely okay with that. But um, has it influenced what I post uh, for for a good number of weeks uh, when all of this started after Floyd uh, George Floyd uh, was murdered? The there was a heavy weight on my chest because I and it's. I, I don't talk about this very often, and I I I'd rather do it through my art. Um, but I can honestly say to you guys, without too much um, fear, is just I I don't I don't have a popular opinion of how things are being approached because I think you guys mentioned it earlier. We talk about you know what's the real problem, and how do we who do we go after? How do we solve what's happening? And protest. Have peaceful protests have always been a part of, you know, um, problems in America. It, it's it's an option, but it technically it doesn't immediately solve the problem. If someone robs your house, and you know who did it, you know, are you gonna go to their, you know, are you gonna start peaceful protesting in your neighborhood? Hey, I got robbed, and I know who did it. You know, uh, robbing is wrong. Like you start picketing with signs that say the obvious and yet the thief is gone and he's got all your stuff and you're like i would love to protest in front of the police station that robbery is wrong and someone just stole stuff from my house and uh i just want you guys to understand the message i don't like thieves see would that solve the problem not necessarily unless you know even if there was a string of robberies in your area you Mm. know if the thief goes free and you get some more stringent laws that maybe protect people from, you know, ro- you know, uh, breaking and entering and so forth, you know, um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that really solves the problem. Uh, it makes it difficult, more difficult maybe for a thief to steal, but that thief is still free or he's able, if you do catch him, he's a, he, now he's on bail. He, he got out on bail and he could technically keep stealing if he wants to. So those are those things where, um, as for my art, I'm not I'm not the hugest fan of, you know, uh, the peaceful protest. But I did feel a responsibility to at least say something, and uh, I thought really hard. I, I wasn't going to post anything initially, and then um, I saw a post that said, you know, it it. To paraphrase it, it was pretty much the Spider-Man, you know, Uncle Ben, you know, uh, catchphrase, which technically, essentially, with great power comes great responsibility kind of dig. Mm-hmm. It was like, if you if you have a fan following of any kind and you don't say something, you know, um, to, to even help educate or maybe, you know, push the, the support of change... I think they said it in a way where it, it suddenly got to me. Uh, I had no interest in saying, you know, I support this over this or that because it, I didn't want to join a political argument online. It, it wouldn't solve anything. But um, after seeing that, I was like, okay, what, what is it I do as an artist um, that I can actually do to say, okay, well, here's my, here's my feelings. Um, and I, I did a piece um, that was more of just a write-up of, you know, 
what I felt. And it was it wasn't from my personal perspective as much as it was from just a narrative that I felt, you know. And then um, I did one of Killmonger and it was a what if based on a conversation I had with my own children, which is, you know, hey, what did Killmonger, remember that movie Black Panther, guys? What did Killmonger want? You know, and we went over it and I was like, so what do you think would happen if he actually succeeded in real life? Like, what if that happened? You know, if he he replaced all of the racist people in power and he took over every country and every continent and what do you think would happen? And we had a great conversation. Uh, my kids are teenagers. They're uh, 14 and 13. So uh, it was a really, really insightful conversation. But I wanted to really pick their brain and say, what do you guys know? And here's a hypothetical to kind of get your brains going. What would change or what needs to change or what, what would really bring about proper change? Because I, I told him Killmonger was kind of a, an extreme you know, personality. He was willing to kill whoever didn't agree with him. And I, would that really solve the problem? And at the same time, they were like, well, probably not. I'm like, right. But similar to how African-Americans, you know, got the short end of the stick after, uh, you know, who, whatever victories were, were won throughout this country, the winning side, which is non-African-American or, you know, uh, non, non-white Americans, mm-hmm. they actually just inherited the benefit of that's where, you know, you hear the term white privilege, which is they don't get racially profiled and they don't get, you know, what is it, stop and frisked because they're not, they don't fit that description, you know, that's an inherent thing that they just got because of the color of their skin. They're not the ones targeted by hate groups or racism or, you know, that's not something that just happens. So um, I said, if Killmonger came and took over this country, would we get the reverse of that? Would we get like a benefit inherent to us just being black? If you had a, a, you know, a guy like that come in and say, hey, anyone that's black, you're suddenly under a new regime and you don't have to worry about that racism stuff anymore. And I was like, would that, would that be good? Would that even be something that would be, you know, refreshing? Like, what if we didn't have to worry about getting pulled out of our cars and murdered just because, or, you know, we were going for our ID ID, and now we're shot with, you know, (laughs) multiple guns, that kind of thing. And it was just a really, really great conversation to have with Mm -hmm. some young teenagers about um, the problems in the country. Um, and I think the last piece I did recently was uh, one with Miles Morales and his dad. Yeah. And it dawned on me really, really yeah. out of nowhere. And I'm like, holy crap, what's wrong with you, Marcus? A perfect, uh, perfect um, looking glass is Miles Morales from Into the Spider-Verse, that version, uh, the film. Uh, his father was a police officer and, mm-hmm. you know, his mother was a nurse. And I'm like, wow, that's a beautiful dynamic if they did a story about, you know, Miles Morales wanting to be in the protest, but his father, you know, caring for his safety more than anything. I think a lot of people took it out of context. Caring for his safety that his teenage son was at, uh, you know, a protest rally, a Black Lives Matter protest, and the dangers that come with that. Because 
people are getting hurt at these uh, a lot of a lot of these protests. Yeah. So yeah. that's what yeah. the image I, I drew that image of, you know, Miles and his father arguing. And the mom was in the middle trying to break them up. And that one just kind of lit its own fire, I guess. Right. Um, but that that's I think that really helped me as an artist and a creative to say that was a what if, not here's how I feel personally. And I was able to like comments from you know different perspectives without having to say, Marcus, I think you're wrong. Or people saying, Marcus, I think you're wrong for this idea. It was that people had different perspectives of what they thought would happen in this what if. And I can say, hey, I like your perspective. That sounds, I can't argue with you because I don't know what would happen. But I'm glad you're engaging in the conversation. It was a very bipartisan you know, conversation where people right. can, you know, they had strong feelings uh, sometimes, but it was really cool. So, right. Yeah. I didn't really. I was when you were explaining, I was like, oh, I didn't. I didn't see it that way either. I now right. like because with um his father being a police officer and his right and and his mother being a nurse, like it almost it almost it almost becomes a layer a layered like um illustration mm -hmm. of like it's not only talking about, you know, the perspective of like Black Lives Matter, but also on what's going on in our country in general. You right. know? Right. It's mm -hmm. like it's a lot of yeah. layers to this yeah. conversation that may that, you know, that there's no real black or white. It's a lot of it's a right. whole lot of shade of gray. And so right. But having it, these conversations, I got, I got mad at myself. I got mad at myself for not thinking of it sooner. I was like, "What's wrong with you, boy? This is great." <laughs> right. That on a personal level. Yeah. But you're right. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. Um, I wanted to dive. Um, if anybody else has any um more questions about that, I will have another question kind of relating to that. I think. We kind of talked i don't know if we talked about it a little bit before, during this but like i wanted to ask maybe your opinion about you know because of the um because of the black lives matter there's also there's been a bunch of like um companies animation illustration what have you if you're in the creative mm -hmm. field where they're trying to reach out and take initiative to hire um african-american or people of color um artists and like over after, at in the beginning, at least for me, I was like, okay, I can see what they're doing. I understand that maybe they they this is one of those things where like it they want to you know have start they understand that maybe they're not including enough people of color in at the table and they want to start taking mm -hmm. an, an actual initiative. But then oh, mm -hmm. I believe a um a news source released like what the black community actually thinks about these um you know these companies companies all of a sudden taking an interest in people of color and it's like mm -hmm. um it's more of a negative it's becoming more of a negative thing where like you know it's great you're you're taking initiative but you know what if this all dials down again you know are you going to continue right. keeping on the train or is it going to be one of those things where are you going to basically say what you mean and mean what you say so i wanted to know mm -hmm. do you have an opinion on all of these um people of color artists getting more attention or getting more initiative from companies like maybe Disney or Nickelodeon or something like that? Uh, absolutely. I, I, we joked about it. I, I said it in jest, but um, I honestly do believe that these companies are panicking because um, they're, they're having these meetings. They're looking at what's happening on social media. They're listening to not just Black uh, consumers. This is not just black consumers that are upset. This is white consumers. This is 
Asian, everybody in the world mm-hmm. is actually, you know, unifying uh, that this is terrible what's happening in this country. And um, they're all under a, a very, you know, unified banner. That is absolutely, I think, way more powerful. Uh, if it was just black, I don't think they would be panicking. And I, I, I truly believe that. Um, it's not just, you know, black black uh, black protesters that are being bullied and harmed in the streets. And you have to kind of have lived and uh, have open eyes. It, it, if it sounds harsh uh, for anyone listening, it's, it, it's, it's ignorance is bliss because you're unaware of the, the depth of the world around you, the layers of the world around you. Um, a child can be absolutely, you know, uh, devoid of stress at, at, you know, five, six, seven, eight, you know, between their young years, because the stress of rent, bills, car note, insurance, uh, you know, phone, phone, <laughs> keeping your phone on, um, having to pay f- to repair a flat tire. None of that touches a child. None mm-hmm. of it. I don't remember caring about any of that stuff because my mom sheltered me from that reality. So my ignorance of how all of that weighs on the subconscious of an adult was, you know, completely non-existent. That that ignorance helped me to be blissful as a child. However, now I can look back in hindsight and say, oh, my God, man, I give all of my money to go back to that time where I didn't have any care in the world. All I cared about was video games, playing outside and toys. But all that to say, the ignorance of uh, the pain of racism and the the reality of how far reaching and how penetrating racism is in this country and around the world is you, if ignorance is bliss, then wisdom and knowledge is a burden you know, is, is what I've come to understand. It, it truly is. Uh, you can look at it. Any, you can affect your perspective of how that information sits on you. However, it, it's a burden nonetheless, because now your eyes are wide open to say that racism not only penetrates our laws, but it penetrates the mainstream entertainment industry, our, mm-hmm. our, the way we do business, our homes, the way every industry in this country functions. If you, if it sounds foreign, it's because you probably haven't had to deal with it. But the, for those of us that have, that have lived it, you know, like I said, I'm going to be 40 uh, next year. I'm 39. If I do the math right, I think I'm 39. Um, 30 plus years in this country, you know, growing up in, in this thing where, yes, at one point I was sheltered. I mean, I am no longer. And all of that, all of that wisdom in opening my eyes to every facet. You see this, uh, someone said, uh, I saw a video that said, you know, George Floyd wasn't a martyr at all. Someone made the mistake of calling him a martyr. And it was just because they're ignorant. They didn't know obviously what martyr meant. A martyr is someone who willingly gives up their life for an ideal. Um, He was a catalyst, but he wasn't the only one, you know, being black in America means we've seen this 
over and over and over. Uh, there was an image I showed my kids while having that conversation about Killmonger that kind of compiled, it was a composite of just as many young black people that have died in the last handful of years. And it was, I said, how many people are in this photo? And my kids simply said, too many, mm. too many to count. Mm. And that's the scary part. That's where, um, you know, looking at this, looking at this as a, as a whole, back to your question, just to kind of go full circle. If a company is saying, hey, not just black consumers are, are, you know, being vocal about this. This is a worldwide thing that we have to get in front of. You know, where, where's, our, where's our PR? Where's our, you know, let's talk about how we can, you know, make sure we're in front of how we are looking to the world. And that's where you get companies you've never heard say anything about, you know, supporting black people or people of color. And suddenly, hey, we gave $200,000 to the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, what do you think? You know, that's in my mind. That's how they sound <laughs> if they did an audio. You know, what do you think about that? You know? Yeah, I, mean, it, I get, I get the, that kind of like feeling from them. It's like, especially yeah. when like they mm-hmm. say like, when I saw the post, like solidarity for black people and all that stuff. And then they just, then right. literally the last paragraph is like, we support it to some organization, NAACP, the Black Lives Matter. And mm-hmm. it's just like, well, that, that's awesome. But then you get those comments that in the people in the comments, like, you know, you know, that's great. But what else are you doing? Like, you right. can't, you know, it's nice. I mean, I, that's one of the things that people are saying is like, if you want to support the cause, donate money, give money great but then go a step further you know what else are you going to do well the scary thing is we don't know what that money is going to be used for truly you know it's it's a great gesture it is uh to say i'm going to give two hundred thousand dollars to this cause i guess but what does that mean Where, where's that money going um and is it really going to help the cause just by giving money uh and I don't disagree with creating opportunity. That's actually a really great gesture. However, you can't really take on the floodgates of how many, um, how many uh, black and brown creatives. Uh, I, I know Nickelodeon opened their gates, um, or one of the one of the producers. I can't remember his exact title, but he was like, "Hey, in in uh, sight of this, you know, realization, I'm gonna open." some, you know, some opportunity here at Nickelodeon. And um, I actually got an email from him because I, I did inquire about what, what exactly they were doing. And he was like, actually, I had no idea I was going to get flooded this way. So <laughs> he got the floodgates of how many, how many people are like, yo, I would love the opportunity. Um, and if you guys, again, for people that don't realize this, it's okay. It's not your fault. Um, if you've ever watched the behind the scenes of a Pixar animated, you know, DVD, you know, you get a Pixar movie and they show you the behind the scenes, you know, and I had to tell my kids this too, you know, it's, it's a, it's like looking at a wonderland and, oh, this is so great. Look at these, oh, look, they're producing stuff. Oh. Yeah. Go back and watch it and count how many blackface in that behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And this is this is what I mean by ignorance is bliss. I never looked at this stuff when I was a kid. 
I never even paid attention to it. All I saw was, wow, this is how they make a cartoon. This is awesome. Because I didn't know to look for anyone that looked like me in those, those little behind the scenes videos. As an adult and as a parent now, I have to make sure my kids are aware. If you get into this environment, you may be the only black faith amongst like dozens and dozens of other creative people. And how does that feel? How does that, how do you think that environment feel? So what they're doing, while it is a very a progressive gesture, they would have to go a little bit further and beyond, unfortunately, beyond that gesture. Like, hey man, I, I opened my gates to create more positions for black and brown people. No, that's great. However, there seems to be a little bit of a click mentality yeah. <laughs> inside your company. Uh, and uh, we need to create some some protective, you know, boundaries around that. Like, how do we how do we fight that? Because you know, now you only have five black people in amongst two hundred non black people employees. So they're feeling a little, you know, boxed in or left out or maybe not as a part of the crew as it would as it should be. So yeah, they would have to do a little bit more. And um, I think the job that needs to be created um, is uh, cultural, cultural, uh, oh God, specialist, someone that actually is um, absolutely hired to maintain something of a normalcy, where if you are coming from a non, uh, if I go into Japanese culture now and someone hired me to be the cultural specialist on staff for Square Enix, um, you know, I would say, okay, here's what I know about black people. <laughs> oh my God. Here's what I, oh, here's Jesus what I know Christ. is not nice to hear. And I would give, they would probably look to that person, look to me as a go-to and saying, you know, what's, what's good and what's bad. Tell us what not to say, tell us what not to do, what not, you know, how do we not alienate this new hire, these new hires, 20 and the rest of our company is Japanese. We got 20 new black hires. What do we do to make them feel comfortable? How can we do that? And I think that's the job, genuinely, because otherwise they're going to guess, probably hit and miss. Um, just because of the cultural differences, I would think most. But um, whatever else they would, they would try to do uh, to make those black hires feel comfortable, it may only go so far without any kind of real interpretation. So right. we'll see. Yeah, I really think it's going to be just a wait and see. Like, I mean, we're all, we all just, well, except for Darian, but she's about yeah. to graduate. <laughs> um, we are all, <laughs> we are all um, people of color just graduated college from with a creative degree. And like, yeah. it's, I mean, from our perspective, it's like, okay, well, at least from my perspective, it's like, okay, this is nice. Maybe this will give me the opportunity I need to get, to get into the door of, you know, yeah. animation yeah. company, you know, cause there are um, things out there like uh, me and Mickey are part of Rise Up Animation, um, this, cool. um, this volunteer organization that are pairing um, people in the industry um, with people who have been in the industry for like 30 plus, 20 to 30 plus years and offering yeah. seminars and stuff like that. 
it's like, you know, there's a chance that through these connections, like, cause like with being in the art industry, half the job is knowing the right people. So maybe knowing these people will help us maybe get, get a job or get our foot into the door at least. Mm-hmm. And so like, at least with my understanding, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that they're taking this initiative. Cause maybe if this wasn't happening, then I probably would be tr- scrambling, like, you know, trying to do this uphill battle of how do I get into the animation, the industry that I love, the the career that I want to be in, knowing that I'm a black female, trying, uh, and I probably, if I, if I, and if I do get into the industry, I'll probably be one of, you know, one of so little in this industry. Like, how do yeah. I, how will I navigate that? And like, how I figure that out through that, you know? Right. Uh, the unfortunate part is, um, once you get there, um, you're going to have to make a choice if you don't see the environment, if the environment isn't welcoming, if it isn't uh, pleasant. Now you have a hard choice. Do you stick it out? Do you, if it's toxic, do you stick it out? You know, if none of your ideas are met with, you know, the same reception as other uh, employees, which is if all of yours are declined instantly shut down and then you know your other employees who are not do not look like you are welcomed with open arm and praise how do you how do you navigate do you give up do you swallow it and keep going because of a paycheck uh while you slowly die inside you know <laughs> that kind of thing you know it's it's a really really scary thing but that's where um that's where uh, I, I know if these companies really want to make an impact, they have to be. They have to think beyond just how does this make us look as a company. If we really want to make that change, if we really want to affect the landscape, if we really believe, you know, this moniker that we're supporting or donating to, then we're going to have to do more research. We're going to have to really employ empathy beyond right. the scope of what we've ever done before inside our institution. We've never had to employ empathy because everyone was, well, 90% of the, the population was white. Not to say Asians don't count. Uh, there, there's Asian employees that you'll see behind the scenes in Pixar. But very, very, very few. I'm watching the, the Frozen 2 behind the scenes on Disney+. And uh, it's the same stuff. It's, it's, really, uh, it's really weird. Because I always put myself in that environment and say, wow, I would be one of one based on this footage <laughs> and this and this behind the yeah. scenes thing and it's it's scary yeah. it's yeah it's definitely i've noticed that like i love behind the scenes stuff too and like i've mm-hmm. probably going back now it is really scary at least as an adult now black female adult that yeah. like the people working in the industry no like no no shade like people working in the anima- animation industry are white males or asians and it's just like you know and it's mm-hmm. it's like if you're it's almost like you're doing where's waldo with black people it's like where it's like you know and i have to keep you know and it's like one of those things like you it's almost like you're looking through rose colored glasses like I really want to be in this, but I understand, but you have to get that hard reality. Like we were saying, like a hard reality of it's just going to be a really like hard up rocky uphill battle to figure out how I want to be in this industry that I love. I don't know. I don't know if anybody else feels the same way, you know? Mm -hmm. I've 
I know I know professionals that are in the industry and they, they have great experiences. So you see their photos, they're happy, they're smiling. You know, it looks like they're enjoying themselves. And I'm like, good, good for them. Um, but I've I've seen and heard, you know, too many of the opposite of those experiences. It's very rare, uh, unfortunately. And it's only because I can I can only say it's most likely due to how often do these companies get to practice? How often do these employees get to practice that kind of interaction? It's very, it's, it's, it's too rare. Um, I've known Disney artists that have worked with Disney. They're not working with them anymore. And uh, Cartoon Network was also subject to this stuff. I was just a freelancer. I didn't work in the, in the halls of Cartoon Network uh, here in Atlanta. But the, you know, the art director definitely disclosed you know, some troubling information about the, the politics that go on there. Um, and, and how if I pitched Tuskegee Airs to Cartoon Network, he was like, it's not a if they're going to change it. He was mm. like, they're going to change it. Absolutely. He it said it's, it's 100% guaranteed. He was like, do not take your cartoon to Cartoon Network. Don't pitch it to them. And I'm like, okay. I, he, he had worked there over 20 years. I'm That's like, true. okay. That's very interesting. Yeah. I was like one of, one of the if we were gonna, we were going to talk about Tuskegee Airs. That was one of the things I wanted to ask. Was like you know, if, with with the idea sure. that like you know, if you want, what if you pitch this idea to um, animation studios? Is like I've mm -hmm. I've heard of like I mean you I've heard like the opposite from about Cartoon Network in terms of like because if you know the story about Adventure Time, Adventure Time was first pitched pitched to Nickelodeon and then it got picked up mm -hmm. to. Um, Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon was asking like asking for a bunch of changes and then they and then once right. and then once Nick, uh, they went to Cartoon Network they were like I don't think they made I don't I don't know if they made changes but I'm I'm basically what you're saying is like I mean it, yeah. you can I feel like you pitch your you pitch your idea to anywhere and they're gonna they're gonna make a million and one changes to make it more marketable in some capacity so you kind of have to be in that mindset that's the danger because that that word marketing marketable is dangerous because who are they determining? Who who is their target audience? Who do they deem their cartoons are marketable? Right. And if it isn't market, if you're saying five young uh, black teenagers who are flying giant robots and sci-fi action adventure and it's all this cool stuff we've seen in other places throughout history of animation, you're saying that's not marketable when the reverse is then that's the dangerous conversation. Do they all have to be black? We've actually pitched the cartoon to a number of studios. We've gotten the question, do they all have to be black? Oh, and man. You know, oh, yeah, we, we've had to answer it. That's a real, that's an absolute real question we've answered and said, well, what the heck? what's, yeah, they're, they're all, they're five black teenage pilots. Yes. Mm -hmm. Is there a problem with them being black? Oh, no, no, it's not that it's a problem. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, Maybe we can add some, and we're like, uh-huh, I'm sure we could, um, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's other cartoons that absolutely have no problem doing the exact opposite, which is five young non-Black characters. And if we're lucky, a token Black character. That's how that term right. came about. Oh, God, um, yeah. And then yeah. there's the rule of three. If you guys haven't heard of the rule, have you guys heard of the rule of three? Yeah, the rule of three were like the main Three main characters, or something like oh, that. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yes, that's a very real thing. 
um, you know, Marvel Marvel didn't break the rule of three with their main cast uh, of the Avengers. You have Black Panther, Falcon, and War Machine in your main cast. Of course, uh, Samuel he, Samuel isn't an, an Avenger, quote unquote, but he's a supporting character. But they didn't break the rule of three. How many non-black Avengers are there? You know, and suddenly you're using both hands <laughs> to count that out. Mm, you know, yeah. Or Black Widow, Captain America, Ant Man, Spider Man, Tony Stark. You know, and it's just wow. That's not offensive at all. But you know, just what you said is what he warned me. It's like they're going to use the statistics of what they've gathered over the twenty plus years of being a, a network. Well, our marketing research shows that if we have this kind of lineup, this will be more. So we're going to change it. We're gonna change it. And now we're sitting back and saying, yeah, but we don't really want you to do that, but okay. And that's that's a scary part for us as creators because there isn't anything wrong with five young black uh, pilots. Right. You know, flying these awesome robots. There's absolutely nothing wrong. We know that to be true, but when you're pitching it to a network that has, you know, years of, uh, of data, to show, well, all of our shows that only have one black person, they've been successful. We have no shows to compare. Uh, you know, a show that breaks the rule of three that's supposedly for everyone to watch. We don't have any data for that. And it's, it's true, they don't. Uh, the only show they have um, is Boondocks, but that's not for everyone. That was on Adult Swim. And it was, it was pitched to adults. Unfortunately, kids saw it. But the point is, it's that's not an that's not an all ages show. It was animated. It definitely broke the rule of three, and it was wildly successful. But that's not the same data. That doesn't really fit our our target audience that we're going for for Tuskegee. Air. We're we're saying this is Y seven, same as um, Avatar: Last Airbender on Nickelodeon. Right. Everyone can watch the show, all ages, all creeds of people. Doesn't matter. This, that's what we're creating, and that's what we want to do. They don't have any data to bounce that off of it because it's a risk. They would say they would sooner say, "Oh, we like it, but mm, maybe not right now." Because what? How do we prove it's going to be successful? You can't. Um, I want to ask. Um, do you think I know with cable, and now we're in this age of streaming? Have you pitched to like streaming places and have they told you the same thing or are they more like lenient or even they have more of a tighter grip of like, oh, what the chart says and stuff like that? Yeah, we've we've definitely pitched to some of the streaming services. Um, the good thing is we haven't heard no. We haven't heard no. Um, in so many words, we from one of the bigger ones, we heard, well, we were looking for something that featured younger characters and because yours is teenagers, you know, we'll pass. And we're like, well, we can make them kids. That's not a problem. We can make them younger teenagers or, you know, uh, tweens, something like that. Um, but yeah, we haven't heard any no. Like, this won't work. There's more, hey, maybe not right now kind of things. Or we like the idea. Um, who's going to pay for it? <laughs> that kind of thing. Ah, gotcha. Oh. Like, like, they're asking you how you going to pay for it? 
Yeah, certain ones. I can I can honestly say Netflix um, as a whole doesn't really enjoy doing the heavy lifting financially. Um, if you guys hadn't heard this, they're they're far more interested in if you already have something ready to go. If you've already worked with an animation studio to get four to six episodes, and now you're pitching, they love that because they're like, oh, sweet, got it done. Sweet, yeah, we like the quality. It looks good. You know, now we can talk. Um, if unless you have a super super A list person on your on your team, if you go to Netflix and you say, "Hey, I got um, Samuel L. Jackson on board," that's that's a no brainer. That's that's like, oh sweet, great. So Samuel is going to be voicing it. Oh, we love it. Yeah. So where do we sign? You know, that's the only only way I think you're going to get to bypass them saying it's a risk because you know, you get an A-list actor or someone that's immensely popular right now. Um, yeah. They're going to look at that as your insurance, as their insurance to say, Oh, well, this person's on fire right now. So yeah, if they want to do it. Let's do it. Yeah. I uh, legit thought like, Oh, go ahead. No, I just say if you're, if you're, you know, regular people like we are, uh, <laughs> me and Greg, uh, and we're like, hey, we got this cool idea. Doesn't, you know, doesn't it look good? And they're like, yeah, it's good. It looks good. Uh, who's gonna pay for it? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, that's really yeah, interesting. That's, that's- I truly thought, like, because because Netflix just loves, like, they just have like a crap ton of content. I surely thought that somehow they were they were um, financing it themselves. But now it kind of makes sense. That's how they can just bring out a crap ton of content. I guess if they're not paying for it, it could, it doesn't matter if it did well or not on Netflix. It's well, they're not paying, the they're, they are paying for it. Let me let me make sure I clarify. Oh, they're paying. Uh, if you if you have let's say seven to eight episodes already done, Netflix is going to pay you for those episodes. They're going to pay to license those episodes, and then call it original content, Netflix original. Um, as a publisher, you know, as a publisher, as a as a network, they they yeah they will pay for your episodes. That's the negotiation that they have is to say, okay, cool, uh, we'll pay you three hundred thousand per episode. Now. You may have paid over five hundred thousand dollars per episode to get it created and finished and polished and everything ready to go, but that's where the negotiation starts. Uh, they do still pay. They don't like producing it from scratch, is what I mean. Uh, okay. Yeah, they, that's they. You know, it's far less of heavy heavy lifting was the word they use. So it's the heavy lifting of that is you know oh so you have nothing and you want us to pay for everything? Ooh, you know they, that's not fun for them. And it's understandable because it is if you don't like I said, if you don't have any kind of leverage to mitigate their risk, it it's just a risk. And while they have billions of dollars, uh, it's a smart approach. But yeah, they like to have something versus nothing. And then yeah, they'll pay you for what you have, but that's a negotiation. Gotcha, gotcha. Interesting. Um mm-hmm. Going towards like I know you're um, we talk about we've been talking about Tuskegee Airs and that your mm-hmm. pitching of that, but like recently your other like illustrations that you've um, fan your fan fiction illustrations of a possible um thir- uh, Earth Avatar. I'm gonna butcher its oh, name, yeah. their name. Uh, I saw Abby, it. Uh, Abby, um, I think it's Abioye. 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 Yes. Abioye. I actually had to yeah. I had to be corrected when I did it because uh, a Nigerian. 
a fan of mine came on because I was calling it, uh, oh gosh, what was I saying? Abi Aye, Abi Aye. And he's like, nope, it's Abi Abioye. Abi Oye. And I was like, oh, thank you for correcting my my ignorance. I appreciate you. Thank you. And so, yeah, Abi Oye is the name. Yeah. So yeah, so like that's been picking with a with a well first it's, I'm guessing it started off with um Netflix licensed getting the rights to show Avatar the Last Airbender um all three seasons. Yes. And then I'm assuming that because of the pickup of the revi- the revi- the revived interest in that show, people started looking mm-hmm. at your um your work and being like, "Oh my gosh, this looks really interesting. I would love to see this." And so somebody Somebody just went ahead and started a kick, uh, not a Kickstarter, but like a, a petition to actually make mm-hmm. legend, the legend of Abioye a thing. Yeah. So I was actually, that. I wanted to ask about that too. Like, I'm so glad <laughs> Shayla mentioned yeah. it. Like, I have been, I love, the, I will be a slight fangirl. I don't care. Y'all can sue me. I am oh, a big fan of Marcus's fan fiction images his fan fiction poster series like Thank and this you. is one of the ones that i thought was so so interesting so when i saw that someone was like making a petition to go to ne- oh, nickelodeon i'm like please please tell me this can be a thing please <laughs> please god please <laughs> right well, thank you thank you Yes, we want to know like how's the how's that been? How do you feel about that? You know, like is that is that uh, even yeah. a possibility? Is that or is it just simply like oh, you know, that's great and all, but there's so many hoop like you know you're just you're just honestly you're 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 um you're flattered by the gesture, basically. Oh man, it's um the I think that's that's why I never pitched it uh because again I was a little bit jaded with the concept of I kind of know what they would say. Um, mm. If I just went and pitched them as a nobody, um, hey, I'm a, I'm a random artist and I got this idea to do a black, you know, this African-like version of, you know, this Avatar series thing. And I know you aren't making any more, but yeah, do it anyway. Um, if I had that pitch, I, I kind of saw that going poorly. So randomly, as, as someone tagged me on TikTok is where that started. Someone on TikTok, a young, young guy. Um, just highlighted the art, highlighted the concept, and said he started a petition. And that's where I was like, wait, what now? What is this? I followed the link, and there was a couple hundred you know, signatures on there. And I'm like, this is awesome. Dude, I'm really humbled. I appreciate it. You know, I reached out to, you know, uh, to him on TikTok and stuff. But um, it's, it's incredibly, incredibly humbling. It's, it's at, I think it's right at 34,000 signatures right now. And um, that's, I, I don't know how to feel <laughs> about that. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, it's super, super humbling. But at the same time, it's like, if, is this what could start the conversations in the right way? Because now I'm not just the regular artist guy and I don't have any leverage. There's 34,000 individuals that have signed this document or signed this petition. I don't document online um and that's not something you would laugh at it's not it's what he the the initial goal was a thousand signatures right and i was like hey that's where i shared it i was like hey this guy's trying to get a thousand signatures that's cool that's where i was like that would be awesome if i got a thousand people to sign this thing hey sign if you're interested 30 33,000 plus signatures later and i'm like i don't know what's happening I, I don't know how to feel about this. This is cool. I had to stop looking at it. 
honestly, because I was like, has it really gone above 20,000 people? This is crazy. So it's, uh, I'm excited. Um, I did get some confirmation stuff. I don't, I can't, there's nothing to say, but I got confirmation that quote unquote, Nick, people at Nickelodeon have seen it. And they, they, uh, that's, that's, that's as much as I got. Cause he's like, just know that it has been, you know, circling some of the office. I'm like, for real? Oh, sweet, sweet. That's yes. all I got. That's all I can say. So I, I'm, I'm, I've learned not to get excited before things mm-hmm. are confirmed because it's just hearsay until then. Of course, right. I'm lying. I'm super excited, and I can't <laughs> wait to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, but reality is, yeah. I think hopefully, like, I mean, what we all talked about with, like, them try, like, the the idea that they're trying to bring people to the table, maybe this is, like, this is the push they need to be, like, oh, a oh, black-led yeah. Avatar spinoff? Let's see, like, and maybe, like, maybe in a very, like, selfish way, like, a very, like, you yeah, know, I, corporate yes, mindset. It's want like, them to be selfish, yes. <laughs> yeah, like, a very, in a very, like, corporate way, this is like, maybe this will help appease, the, like, the yeah. people if they for, like, black content. But it's in your mind, it's just like, hey, it's just a fan fiction. But if you want to do that, do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, no pressure. I love, I love your voiceover, by the way. That was a great voiceover. Of, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> very, very evil overlord sounding. Maybe <laughs> just like, ooh, like is this what the people want? Is do they want a, a black avatar? I mean, this this it's perfect. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, no. Um, by all means, that's selfish of me, but technically, it would it would they would be the first to market with something like that. That there's no, and I would want them to go straight to Netflix. Me personally, like skip the TV. Just go straight to Netflix, man. Um, so yeah. you know, millions of streaming folks can get it and digest it and watch it and talk about it and share it and all that stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, I would love it. I would love I, it. And then, I mean, Nick Nickelodeon's already doing that. Like they, um, they're doing a lot of they're doing a lot of ventures, um, current and future, where they're moving stuff to Netflix, like their show Glitch Text right. and everything. So it's not yes. far fetched. Like all of these things could definitely happen. It's just a matter of like, will they do it? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, because I, I like Glitch Tech. That was, that was awesome. But that deal um, affected their decision, I think, when we pitched to them. Um, they, you know, that's that's this type of stuff where they were saying, you know, we got a lot of stuff on the plate that, you know, cartoons take months and months for one episode. So you're talking six, six, five to six months for one episode. And I can only assume that Glitch Text was in production for, you know, a number of years. And when we see it come out, we're like, oh, this is new. Sweet. And of course, the landscape of what's happening right now, we're like, this is, oh, this is right on time. But they probably pinned that deal years ago. Right. Um, and that's where, you know, what are they going to do now during this you know what's happening is they're gonna have to be probably even more careful with what how they spend the money. But I say, hey man, instead of donating that stuff to randomness, they like, give me five hundred thousand. I'll get the first episode started. We can work. Yeah. Go. So um, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's been a really, really surprising, very humbling thing to see this many people sign that petition. Um, it feels great. Uh, this is just something I, I did as a fan. Uh, there was no goal, and people are like, "Where can I read the book?" I'm like, "There is no book. I don't own Avatar. I can't really make money on it, so I can't really validate." You know, spending hours and hours and hours creating something that I can't sell, even though it will be fun. I would love it. I can't validate it as a single father saying, you know, hey, man, I spent like you know months on this fan fiction. And you know, how much is it? I, I don't want to go to jail, so I can't sell it. But it, it was fun. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, that's where um, there was no goal beyond just sharing the, the fanship. Like, this is what I would love to see. This would be awesome. And a part of my journey as an artist now is saying, if the industry won't show attractive or cool or interesting black and brown characters, let me do that. I'll take that lane. If you don't know what it looks like here, is what a cool avatar character that's you know, in an African-like setting would look like. Luckily, right. it's, it, it strikes a chord with other fans because I don't care what avatar looks like, but I never thought of him being an African, uh, African-like, you know, mm -hmm. character, or that landscape. This is what other people are telling me. Like, I want this badly. I don't. Let's do it. Nickelodeon, stop playing. Do it. And um, yeah, that's that's where my my direction or my purpose for it came out. Like, what other culture would you do? You can do it for a number of different cultures, but I loved what the Airbender and and Korra. Mm -hmm focused on culturally, but I'm like, so what's, what's, what's the next super rich culture that you can really mine and do two to three, four seasons out of like, oh, there's an awesome place named Africa that has tons and tons. Uh, and that's why I keep saying African-like. Uh, someone mentioned uh, someone that wanted to write an article about it. They were like, is it true that every all of this this culture is based on just Nigerian culture? And I was like, no, that's that's not what I was hoping to do. If I if I got my way, this would be a fictional African culture that pulls from everything, everything that I could do, everything I can pull in from all of the different African countries, um, and and really create something unique. Um, the names are Nigerian. Um, but I didn't. I didn't go and look up Nigerian clothing because I didn't want to. Um, I didn't want to, you know, seem like I'm just targeting one culture. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I wanted it to be just an amalgamation of different cultures throughout Africa. But uh, I'm I'm super excited about it. Hopefully, something starts with a conversation. Yeah. If they if they say something, I'm pretty sure I won't be able to say something. <laughs> yeah, but that's so, true. I mean, that's where I'm. I'm kind of happy and scared and excited at the same time. Cause I don't know. They could say, "Hey, man, stop drawing stuff and putting Avatar on it." And in which case, I will, but I'll keep moving with the character design and stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so it yeah. won't be the end of the road. They say no. They're prerogative. But I'll probably keep moving with the story concept. Change it from bending to something else. 
yeah, because there's always, I mean, there's always, like, a market for, like, if it's not attached to Avatar, you can always repurpose it for, like, some, th- some other story, and it'd be your own original story. And you could probably oh, yeah. make it just as cool if it was in the Avatar universe. Yes. Well, I, that's that would be the hope. Because, you know, I, I like the design. I love the actual world that I have in my mind. It's just, it was born from fandom. So I would just have to rewrite everything and create something original, which is not hard for me. I, I kind of live in my brain all the time. And, you know, I love the energy of what Avatar created. Um, I love the care to culture and music and martial arts and spirituality and all of those great concepts that made that show memorable. I would absolutely create it with the same care. Um, if it was an original story, that's, that's what makes it special to me anyway. So, true, true. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Does anybody have any more questions for Marcus? Nope. I think we're up. All, apparently, me and Shayla were sharing the same brain cell because she asked literally every single question <laughs> that I was going to ask. So y'all ask all the good ones. We stopped living living together months ago. Why are we like this? I I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Oh my goodness gracious. Nice. Nice. (laughs) I I really do appreciate you guys um, taking the time to, um, you know, be interested in my stuff. I do do a lot of... um, a lot of creative things uh, as an artist, and I had to tell this to someone else. It's the, the reason I do art is not, uh, I never ever once said, I'm going to do art so I can gain a following online. That's not why I do art. It's not why I share art. Um, there are certain ideals that I do um, put out there to have camaraderie um, with. I love Sonic the Hedgehog. I love video games. I love anime of uh, all of these different you know, things. But as an artist now in my current skill set, I can now visualize something that makes me excited and then share it. And if anyone else, not all of them are, you know, these, these you know, super liked ideas, but occasionally I, I do something that connects with people and that's, that feels really good. So that becomes addictive, but that's not why I do it. It's just, it's what excites me creatively. And I love being a creator. So um, I'm going to keep doing that kind of stuff. And uh, if anyone hasn't seen my work, I am Marcus the Visual. Um, I have a website, MarcusTheVisual.com, on all those social networking things. I actually do have a TikTok. I just don't have a lot of content. Don't go there yet. Just okay. don't go there. It's not ready. Yeah, I did it just out of curiosity. Be like, what the, what am I supposed to do on here? So um, but yeah, it's it's um yeah, I guess my 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 goal is to show, like I said, black and brown characters. Um, because if no one else will, um and not just in one setting. I want to do fantasy, sci-fi, action adventures, superheroes, uh, mystery, horror, anything that I can think of. Um, because, you know, it's, it's deserving. Our culture is worldwide, it's global. Um, our influence is global. And if the people in charge don't want to show that, I'll 
gladly take up my pen and pencil and digital pen and pencil, iPad, whatever. And that's what I'm going to dedicate um, my craft to because I can. And no one can tell me not to. So that's what I'm doing. I couldn't. Uh, that, was, that was a pretty good like, send off of just like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. I we couldn't we couldn't have said it better ourselves. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you guys. Yeah. But so yeah, I think with that in mind, we are this will be the end of our episode. Mm-hmm. Oh. I just realized something. We didn't introduce ourselves. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Normally we introduce ourselves like I'm Shayla, Dion, and Mickey, and Daria, and then we didn't do, we didn't even do that at all. But it's fine. We just right in. It's <laughs> all good. <laughs> it's okay. We'll just do it. We'll just do the end, and that'll be and I'll be. We can it, do so. that, and you know, it's fine. This was a very special episode. I'll go back in post and be um and be like, this was a very special episode, and we forgot to introduce ourselves. But y'all have been around here long enough. <laughs> you to know already who the hell know us. Are. If you've been, if you've been, already knows if by you've now. been watching this, you know who we are. <laughs> yeah, know our voices. All right. Thank you for joining us today for Kira Kira Discusses. I want to thank um, our guest, uh, Marcus the Visual, for coming on our show. It's been an awesome episode. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I, I enjoyed myself. Hopefully I can be invited back when some of these games and anime come out. I'd love to, you know, nerd out with you guys, talk about some of this cool stuff. Oh, my God. Uh, yes. You are yes. always welcome here, Marcus. And so, awesome. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is um we're we'll be signing off on our on this episode today. My name is Shayla. My name is Diana. My name is Darian. My name is Mickey. All right, and we'll see y'all next time. Have a good week. Um, drink water, stay safe, wear a mask, please. Don't wear a mask. Cry, <laughs> love a Christ, wear a mask. I'm begging, pleading. Please. Right. We want to go Let's to convention. Be safe. <laughs> yes, please. And I want Let's Halloween. To please. Again. I want Halloween, please. It was a Halloween where I don't have to <laughs>If you want to support what we're doing here at Kira Kira Studios, please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Kira Kira Studios. And don't forget to like and share our podcast wherever our podcast is found. Thanks and see you next time.